With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Announcing our first VIP sale of 2021. Just 99 cents gets you a full month of VIP access. If you act now, go to pwtorch.com slash govip. Enter coupon code 2021SALE. That's right, 2021SALE. And that'll take $9 off our usual $9.99 monthly subscription price. That's 2021SALE. Enter that in the coupon code box on our sign-up form at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Check out the new 2021 podcast lineup, including everything with Rich Fan, Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure, the VIP Vault, and more to be announced. And now we are compatible with the Apple Podcast Native app. No need to enter username and password. And, of course, you get these shows with the ads and plugs free through Apple Podcasts on your iPhone or Google Podcasts or many other popular podcast apps on both iOS and Android devices. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. It's just 99 cents. Enter coupon code 2021SALE. You can now pay through PayPal or credit card or debit card directly on our Express sign-up form. In fact, you can be VIP in 30 seconds and have our VIP ad-free podcasts on your iPhone or Android device in the next two minutes pwtorch.com slash go vip that's pwtorch.com slash go vip with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. It's time to talk this week's WWE Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. All right, Nick. Um, <laughs> I thought this was one of the most eventful uh, Smackdowns we've seen in a while. A lot of developments mostly built around the main event. They teased 
Uh, a Bianca Belair announcement didn't give it to us, uh, but the, a lot of activity in that angle there. Uh, they continue to find creative ways to punt on announcing, you know, who's going to wrestle, wh- which Rumble winners, who the Rumble winners are going to choose to face. I can't even say it, much less them doing it. But the uh, the, the Roman Reigns development and all of the uh, all of the announcements about the men's chamber match and the qualifying matches, a lot happened in this two hours. What do you think? Again, in a long line of really strong SmackDowns. Um, especially got me excited for what I think should be a very high-quality Elimination Chamber match. Um, of course, King and Corbin will have to be involved in that. But yeah. other than that, I mean, we're really looking at a really strong cast of characters right now. And this real testament to the work that SmackDown has put into its roster recently to really raise everybody's game up quite a bit, where this actually, even though we're looking at the same players we always have been, it suddenly feels fresh. It feels exciting. And it most of all feels a little unpredictable, which I think is the strongest asset coming out of today's show. I don't want uh, recency bias to take me away from praising uh, what I liked most about the show, which is the opening segment. I, I, I mean, I, I want to start with Adam Pierce. Uh, Adam, uh, yes, Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman, and Jey Uso have all been praised, and deservedly so. I, it's not the first time I praised Adam Pierce, but man, is he pitch perfect playing off of Reigns. He it's, would be so easy to uh, over overact to get uh, kind of be over the top in your reactions to Reigns, to sell cowardice in a way that's cartoonish and goes too far. And Pierce just, he's a man. He's got pride. He's smart. He sells on his face when he knows he doesn't have leverage. But he's also will not allow himself to be, he won't sell the emasculation that Roman Reigns is aiming for. He's not ultimately giving Roman everything that Roman wants in his intimidation, and I, I love the stare down because Pierce was nervous and gulping, but he didn't back down. He didn't blink. He held his ground. I I love having a babyface authority figure who's not out there for comedy and is not written to be stupid. He's there's a little haplessness, but it's built into the storyline. It's built into the structure. Reigns is like, what are you going to do? Fire me. You work for me. You work here because of me, and you sort of buy it because he's been portrayed as a big star. Uh, did it? Did Pierce's performance jump out to you in the same way today? Yeah, he, he's plausible as an authority figure. And, you know, he it, there, it was towing a line there for a little bit, uh, ironically, before we actually saw him in his wrestling gear a few weeks back, where he kind of just looked like the, the also-ran former wrestler, maybe potential one-day wrestler kind of thing. But when we all saw he was working with a dad bod in there, it's like, oh, wait, this guy <laughs> is really going to be a little bit more of the of the uh, executive type view and they they got started getting a lot right with him first of all, his reactions are are pitch perfect in that you know he's plausible enough to be executive with a lot of you know big tough guys but also still be someone who you know wilts a little you know at the right moments that it's needed to be um but also as stupid as it sounds Wade, like little things like you know every executive in the world this weekend is wearing a red shirt for valentine's day and that's not something <laughs> that the, the really cool wrestlers would be but it he he fits that 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 presentation and it it worked really well. I actually thought just throughout the show his interaction with Sonya Deville was was relatively strong in just yes. that it didn't they, they weren't chewing scenery. They looked like they had a nice easy chemistry bouncing off of each other. It's working. It really is working. The uh, Sonya Deville aspect is worth a little sidebar comment on. Is she up to anything? Are do they know what they're doing with her? Are there seeds that they're planting? that we're supposed to maybe be noticing or at least recall later. I, I, I'm I'm open to 
a pitch here that no, she's just there. They might not have any plan. They're not doing anything yet. Or she's trying to buy Pierce's trust for some payoff down the line where she turns on her or tries to take power or she's secretly working with Reigns. Any idea uh, if anything's going on there based on your observations? Yeah, I'm thinking a little down the line. When it first started, I, I didn't, first of all, I didn't think it was even going to go this long without any further seeds or more overt um, signs that something was, was up in the air going on over there. But I think just in general, I think it, it wouldn't surprise me if the guys in the back just said, oh, this is actually working for what it is right now. I think it, it also plays to an overall strength that is shown, honestly, only on SmackDown that I see that I do not see on Raw, is this level of patience. And I think that maybe there is this long-term plan of some kind of in some kind of way. I, for me, the natural allegiance for her would be with the Reigns faction. But we're not there yet, and we also don't have to be there yet. What I do think is interesting of maybe the seeds might be planted is in this whole recurring theme of the contracts and that there seems to be um, you know missing elements of the contracts that don't favor um, anybody but Roman Reigns. Like suddenly he doesn't have to uh, defend in the Elimination Chamber, just at Elimination Chamber. You know, would that be something that is an example of, well, who got that wrong in a way that benefits Reigns? I don't know. Maybe those would be the only signs. Other than that, I'm not seeing any kind of tells along the way that there's anything in the immediacy coming up. I I like that that's there, and I like that I have trust in the Heyman-Reigns storyline and Jey Uso and and Pierce and everything that I feel like it's worth wondering, and it's worth investing some thought. And... Coming across uh, it, the, 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 that's, that segment of WWE right now is coming across as something worth dissecting and reading into in a way where the Fiend storyline, for instance, sometimes you're let down or you sense there's been a, a sharp turn midstream in something or something's on hold that doesn't really feel like it should be. And there's you know some good and some bad in the mix, but you don't know what's, what's planned and what's not planned as you see it unroll. This, I just feel like there's a master plan. And even... You know, Reigns talked about it in a recent media interview, just saying, you know, Paul Heyman and I exchange texts all week. We're super excited about this. We have all kinds of mm-hmm. ideas. They're engaged in this. And then they're just bringing A-plus, not just A, A-plus level performance. I mean, Heyman was great. Um, I, I, another, when Pierce said, don't you ever shut up to Heyman, I just popped. It was, like, perfectly delivered. Heyman mm-hmm. mumbling off Mike about Bianca Belair, this or that. He's like, do you ever shut up? And it's just, that's what everybody at home wants someone to say to Paul. And then... Reigns is just sitting there being Roman, and he's so in tune with his character. I just, it, it's just, and then Jay didn't do a lot, but what he does contributes. So, yeah, I'm just kind of oh, yeah. heaping praise on to everybody involved in that. Wait, how much did you love when Paul Heyman said, you know, last year was the lowest attended WrestleMania ever? I thought that was it's just fantastic. <laughs> that, I thought it was the, just excellent. Oh, that was rich. That was rich. Yeah. Um, but you know, Wade, yeah. one of my big story, can I just jump in yeah, real definitely. quick? My big story that I just, you know, I, I walked away from was I'm very curious about Edge's involvement in this overall picture because, you know, prior to last week, right after the Royal Rumble, I would have said, okay, it's obvious Edge versus Reigns, you know, that's a direction. In, in many ways, I thought this was all much more exciting than it had than even than last week involving Edge was. I wonder if that is the direction. If what I spotted last week was a true lack of chemistry from Reigns, yeah. Edge, and that whole thing, if we're not seeing a quick right turn, because to me it was blatant last week that there was trouble in the water there. Of if this is our WrestleMania storyline, 
nothing was popping off the page to me this week yet i here i am i'm feeling energized i'm happy to be here happy to talk to you about it i don't i don't know that i honestly would have felt that way last week well it's it's uh something we'll explore more as the show goes on the the where edge might fit in your take uh i remember listening to it uh last saturday uh while walking my dog and i was like wow that's you were very strong in not liking the uh, the Edge Reigns chemistry in that segment. So I'd like to explore that a little more, talk about how this week's show might create some new scenarios for people to consider given uh, what they just laid out. Because, I mean, if, if you have an elimination chamber and the winner gets a match against Reigns, the chamber winner gets a match against Reigns that night at the chamber, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so does that affect Edge or not? I mean... Kevin Owens wins, Edge beats, uh, Reigns beats him. Daniel Bryan wins, Reigns beats him. And then we just, afterwards, Edge makes his call. I'm not sure that this show, as I'm kind of processing that thought of yours, changes the course of whether Edge chooses Reigns or not. Because I think they just wanted to have a compelling Elimination Chamber match. And, of course, we have Fastlane in between, which we sort of at least have to have in the back of our mind as we analyze it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Well, let's uh, introduce the show. This is the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show for Friday, February 12th, 2021. I'm Wade Keller, host of the program, and I'm joined by Nick Barbati from PWTorch.com's SmackDown Hits and Misses column, which should be posted on the site tomorrow, Saturday, or today for most of you listening when you download um, the show on uh, late late Friday night or early Saturday morning. Uh, Nick, welcome back to the co-host chair. Oh, I'm so grateful to be here, Wade. I love this. Love be joining you on a Friday night. It's it's getting me through the quarantine for sure. <laughs> That's great. So if we, I'm gonna I'm not gonna wait any longer. Tell people about how the new show is going for you. The VIP show, Nick and Tom's. I always want to say excellent. I catch myself Intercontinental Adventure. <laughs> um, uh, talk about how that show's going, uh, the format, and why you're excited about it, and why VIP members should be checking it out, and why people who aren't VIP are missing out on a one hour just densely packed compelling conversation focused exclusively on wwe 80 percent current 20 percent 20 years ago content um sell people on it well I, i'm telling you i'm smiling as you're talking about it because i'm enjoying it so much and i so far the the, the reviews are raised for sure but uh, no this has been uh, such an excellent I, adventure if you would um but it, what it is is uh it's a linkage between myself and tom collihue is calling in from Great Britain, myself, on a Saturday morning here in America um, to review that week in wrestling in the WWE. It has been, you know, listen, we get along really well, but we have very, very different perspectives. And I, I think that, you know, any listener would really enjoy hearing the various different takes. You know, what, what's interesting is I think what is the good news is we're both really fascinated by this world of WWE and a lot of the good that's happening but also, you know, there's always the bad. There's always the the quirks and, and what not to talk about. But I think you're hearing two really passionate fans debate it out. And we're debating out the present day, as you said, but also the, the, the past. And we have no problems delving into the past and having very real controversial opinions on the past. So um, loving the interaction so far, loving the platform, Wade, and so grateful that you're having us. Um, but also, I think you're hearing a a real dynamic chemistry and friendship develop between Tom and I that hopefully the listeners can uh, can pick up on. So go VIP, everybody, uh, and check out their show tomorrow. So much to talk about this time of year in WWE in this season. And uh, as Nick said, he and Tom don't always agree, but there's a passion for analyzing the product 
and a meticulousness to your observations that supports your arguments and your points of view. Uh, that all just kind of has come together for, uh, I think, a must-listen podcast each week. It is part of the VIP lineup. you got to be VIP to hear it, but go VIP. Announcing our first VIP sale of 2021. Just 99 cents gets you a full month of VIP access. If you act now, go to pwtorch.com slash govip. Enter coupon code 2021SALE. That's right, 2021SALE. And that'll take $9 off our usual $9.99 monthly subscription price. That's 2021 sale. Enter that in the coupon code box on our sign-up form at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit PWTorchDailyCast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, PWTorchDailyCast.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, so we have our phone lines open, and we are inviting you to call. And the way to do so is by uh, picking up your phone and calling 
8558. That's 347-215-8558. When you call, push 1 on your keypad. That lets us know that you want to be on the show. If you call and don't push 1, you'll be in the background and won't be uh, marked as a caller. You won't be flagged as a caller. So um, be sure to push 1 when you call, and uh, we'll bring you to the conversation. We have a lot of regulars who call up, and that is great. Uh, but we all please feel invited if you stumbled upon our show or you've been a longtime listener. We love hearing longtime listener, first-time caller, or new listener, I want to join the conversation. So uh, be one of those people and uh, join us. If you're listening to us on delay, which most of you do, you can join us live and participate with calls by going to wadekellerpostshow.com every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night, right after Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown. Within five minutes or so, we uh, log in and go live with a live stream. You also um, can find a link, direct link to the show page at pwtorch.com in my TV report on Raw, Dynamite, or SmackDown. And you can also check our Twitter page, at PWTorch. And there'll be a link there uh, taking you right to the show page, along with our email and phone number. Speaking of our email, it's wadekellerpodcast at pwtorch.com. That's wadekellerpodcast at pw, as in pro wrestling, pwtorch.com. And so if that works better for you to uh, email your thoughts in, if you can't listen live or call, um, you can participate that way. Hey, Nick, while we're talking about uh, Twitter... Um, at PW Torch, at the Wade Keller. If people want to follow me, that's at the Wade Keller. How can people follow you? At Nicholas Barbati, all one word, N I C H O L A S B A R B A T I. One R, one T in the last name. That's did I, right. Did I get it right? Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I think that's the only thing that would trip people up. Otherwise, it's pretty phonetic. Yeah, I think so. All right. Let's, you overestimate our listeners, Nick. No, I'm kidding. They're, <laughs> they're, they're very smart. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to our first call here. Uh, we'll begin with area code 615. Uh, 615, you are first in line. Go ahead, state your name and where you're calling from. Wade, Nick, good to talk to you as always. Sean, BFC, Marisboro, Tennessee. How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, great, Sean. Good to hear from you. Yeah. So what do you think of SmackDown tonight? Uh, it was a mixed bag for me. Uh, I guess I'm a downer. I mean, the, the, first, the first thing, like you guys said, was, was great. I, I, I love that. I mean, again, the stuff reigns is fantastic, and that's not really my issue. You know, I, I just love what you guys said about what reigns do with, with Paul and Jay, and it, this is good. But so, so I want to go with some downers first. The, the first was when the Street Profits came up, and they were they had them backstage, and they're talking about all we want to do is we want to do more entertaining. I just wanted to barf. I really did. I, I, I just they're they're doing really bad things with, with them right now. What do you guys think of how they're portraying them? Because I, I just, you know, the match was fine, but again, it's just, you know, against Otis and Gable, it was good for what it was, but I, I just, they're, I don't, they're just, they're, they need to be, I mean, they said they want to go after the tag team titles, but then they're like, we want to entertain. It's like, what do you want to do? Like, what's your, do you want to be serious and go after the titles or do you just want to go and be a bunch of goofs? <laughs> you know, what would you guys think about that interaction with them? I, I just didn't like it at all. <laughs> uh, Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I, it doesn't totally feel out of the realm about their general motivations as characters from the beginning. So I guess that's why it didn't stick out to me as such a glaring negative. Listen, I think it's a terrible uh, motivating factor for any wrestler to say that I'm here to entertain. Although I think that it 
it does fit when they're kind of expressing as part of their character embodiment that they want to be really of the people and really, you know, representative of, of the young crowd and, and whatnot. So that doesn't that doesn't necessarily put me off so much. I actually viewed their match against Otis and Gable of if if I were to show that match to someone who is either a lapsed fan or someone who just hadn't seen it in a while, I actually found that segment like to be really entertaining. And I thought the match was was really good. And you know what? Maybe I'm just in a good mood today. It's possible. You know, <laughs> I don't know. But I just I actually I, listen. There's a lot not to like, and especially I you know which one I agree with you that. You know, for as much raving as we can do, because I do think the top of the card is carrying so much. I mean, when we think about some of the glory days of WWE, that was often the case where the the top tier was just excellent and everything else underneath it was trash. But nobody remembers that so well. This to me is still, you know, we're talking about almost like a golden era of quality at the very top of the card. But you're right. There's there's sloppiness in a lot of the backstage elements and just in some of these undercard characters. Um, and, you know, when it comes to the Street Profits, what they're going through right now is not that different from what every other tag team loses a tag team championship or, quite frankly, woman performer who loses a women's championship when they get slotted down the card and suddenly, like, the invasion of the body snatchers comes and takes their personality from them. You know, that's kind of where we're at with them right now. I think the good news is they still were they still won tonight, um, but also the match was still good and they were still given a lot a lot of time on screen. And you know what? Maybe that's an element where you know I'm sure they're scripted, but there are points where they, as individual performers, can hopefully step up and add a level of seriousness to their act because I th- do think it's it's really needed. I wonder that where do they go at this point, and that's where I get concerned. Of I was thinking of that while I was watching them of. Do they, is this just the the proverbial they just keep going for the tag team championships at this point, which are they're just tossing around so much that these feuds mean nothing in the tag team division? And that's the problem is it just leads to a quick turnover change in the championship. And then there's no real heartfelt feud to keep it going any further than that. And that's one of the most lackluster elements of SmackDown right now. Yeah, uh, Sean, I'm I'm really with uh, Nick on this. I I thought the match was fun. I thought the commentary was good uh, in in touting the athleticism of uh, of what was going on in the ring. I thought they hit the right notes with Gable and Otis. I, I you know the the I mean it was corny, but it's Gable. Gable's corny, you know, doing this blowing the smoke machine at Otis and going, you know, you want the smoke. It's like if there's a little bit of that in the right characters doing it, and it's in the right circumstance, it it kind it it kind of works. It was. It was a weird face-face matchup, but it felt really fresh, and I felt that for the length of the match, they they worked hard and delivered. I thought for I thought for uh, kind of just out of nowhere mid-show, relatively short tag team match that only went about five minutes. They fit a lot into it. Um, I agree with you, but go really light on saying we're here to entertain. Um, if there's you know, I think it I think there's certain wrestlers who can get away with saying that because you just believe they do in their heart and want that. Um, it's when, you know, like I always harp on John Cena standing in the middle of the Raw ring one time going, I hope we entertained you tonight. And it's like, Ugh. you know, like, yeah. no, you know, that this isn't, you're not the circus ringmaster saying, I hope the lions and the elephants and the clowns entertained you. Like, it was so demeaning and, and out of touch with, I think, the sensibilities of what wrestling fans actually desire when they tune into a wrestling show, which is as much as possible with the, as much as possible simulated sport, but not to the point of not being fun. But, like, I don't need Michael Cole to tell me Bianca Belair and 
um, or Sasha Banks and and uh, Street Profits are having fun. Like I, Vince McMahon or whomever, stop telling Michael Cole to say that. Michael Cole, stop saying it on your own because you think it'll make Vince happy. Stop telling us when people are having fun. Let it just present itself to us without us being told how we're supposed to feel. And that's generally how I feel when the rest of say, I hope, hope we're entertaining. No, of course, you better be or we're not going to watch. But don't explicitly say that's your goal because what's more entertaining to me is watching wrestlers whose primary goal is to win. And they're not thinking about entertainment as an actual box they want to check. It's more an inevitable side effect of what makes pro wrestling really fun to watch. We're now on Patreon. By popular demand, you can now support us directly through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. We have three tiers, including an entry-level tier one that takes the ads and plugs away. You can have the VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast. That's 14 podcasts per week, but with the ads and plugs edited out, plus you get the VIP after shows. Don't be left out anymore from those for just $4.99 at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. We also have a second tier and a third tier where you can upgrade to get other VIP content, including other VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletter, the current ones and 20 years ago version. So go check it out, patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I shot back Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think I said it wrong. I, the match was good. I did like it for what it was. I just, I want them to go to say we want to win the tag. Just be more serious. I just, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I I'm I'm kind of tired I'm, of their overall goofiness. I, I just want that, you know. I'm totally, Sean, I'm sorry for jumping in, but I'm totally for them having a more serious side. I'm for all That's wrestlers true. who do comedy acts or happy-go-lucky acts or whatever. There's a time to be serious, and I, and I want to see that switch get get flipped. Um, and, and, you know, I want, I've been calling for it for Big E. Um, I actually think Bianca Belair showing signs that she's going to be good at that, and I want to see more of that. There just comes a time to turn off the entertainment factor and the character and be an athlete who knows their payday and their career and pride depends on winning and winning means getting serious for a few minutes now and then. Yeah, I totally agree. And, yeah. and that kind of leads me to, and I will say Sasha was likable tonight. I, I didn't like what Sasha did. The look, but what, what they had her do was more likable tonight than what they've done. So at least they're going in the right direction. I hope they keep up with that because they need more of that. But uh, going back to the main thing that I didn't really like, I didn't like the way they brought Seth back. I, no. I didn't like the way they brought everybody out to start with. I just thought that was stupid. Like, why are you doing that? Then, you know, he goes back. They have the Messiah at the Royal Rumble. Then they have this new thing that they're doing, Embrace the Vision or whatever it is. Hmm. And he's talking the same stuff he's been talking. And, and you know, and they walk away. And then, now, that segment was bad, I thought. But I liked the way they're making Cesaro a sympathetic character, I like what they're doing with, with Cesaro. And I was going to ask you on the flip side was, you know, do you do you just have Cesaro win the chamber and go on because he's on such a role and they're actually telling a pretty good story with him right now? Or but what did you think of that segment in general? Because I, I thought that was the worst part of the show. I did not like it at all. Uh, Nick, I'll throw to you first. We haven't talked about it yet. Uh, what do you think of uh, Seth Rollins and the points in, in particular Seth made? Uh, excuse me, Sean made about Seth. I thought I Sean I hated the segment. I thought it was the worst SmackDown segment in ages and ages and ages of that of a, a segment that was meant to be important. Um, first of all, nothing rang true to me. Why for suddenly this quote unquote return is the entire locker room coming out? Like w- under what circumstance? Why why is that <laughs> happening? And also like are again are we supposed to just were we like men in black like uh, where we forgot that at the Royal Rumble? His butt was out there for almost the like for a good portion of the match. I mean, this wasn't a proper return. And, you know, just in general, like the the switching of suddenly we're not using the word Messiah anymore, although we were earlier in the show when we were talking about his return. And then like the covert, like we're talking about how he's becoming a father, but beating around the bush about Becky Lynch. But the graphic when he came out saying he's, you know, engaged to Becky Lynch as mm-hmm. suddenly as an attribute. That was something that was worth note in his tale of the tape. I mean, in general, it just didn't – everything about it, I felt, was false and in its own way, in its own elaborateness, lazy um, by having just the the, uh, entire locker room inexplicably out there. 
Um, it's just none of it rang true to me. This is a guy who tore another man's eye out. So let's all go welcome him and stand around the <laughs> ring as if he's 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 someone that we should all follow. I mean, it's just it's absurd on its face. Now that's the bad. News. No, Nick, hold on. I I just have to say what's going through my head right now is when you're when I feel think you're finishing a point i just in my head i imagine i need to stop and wait for tom to chime in and take into account what you said and now create a counterpoint and i have to remind myself i'm not listening i'm participating and get ready to respond yeah yeah and i have him softly take me down point by point yes i love that um no you know but but the good news is on the other side of this is Cesaro, hopefully, versus Seth Rollins, and having that be a WrestleMania program, which, you know, it, obviously it was not even just teased. It was just, I think, it was outright shown at the very end that that was a possibility. And I do think that's what's waiting on the other side for both of those gentlemen. And that's not such a bad thing. Yeah, I thought I thought the wrestlers being at ringside, unless I missed some rationale for it, was just nonsense. And it doesn't sound like I missed some rationale for it or didn't pay attention when they said it. The idea of all the wrestlers gathering on the stage or around ringside makes no sense. The management shouldn't get to make them do it because that makes them seem like school children lining up for the drinking fountain or a fire drill. And they shouldn't do it voluntarily because it's Seth Rollins. Um, they wanted to make it feel like a big deal, and they sacrificed a lot to make it seem like it was a big deal. That's some energy by having everybody at ringside. They fell in love with the idea of Seth making a pitch to them and the faces walking off and then the heels walking off. And the teaser of Cesaro sticking around and like, oh, is this going to be an alliance? And and then Cesaro says no. I mean, like, they fell in love with the end result, but there was no way to get to that moment of everybody walking off and the in the little, uh, uh, not bait and switch, but the, the teaser with Cesaro. Um, they fell in love with that, but there's no way to get there sensibly. So I think they just gave up on getting there in a way that was logical and were willing. I think they had to be self-aware. I don't, I shouldn't give them that much credit when it comes to wrestlers gathering. Cause we see it so much, but they had to be, I think they would be self-aware that it made no sense that all these wrestlers would take time out of their day to, or their evening to go just stand around the ring. Cause it's Seth. Um, so it was dumb. It wasn't worth it in the end. I think there had to be other options that would be better. That could have gotten them to a similar place. I think you could have had Seth stand in the ring and invite three or four wrestlers out specifically and have them come out going and maybe even have one or two no show because they're like, screw him, um, and, and sell it that way where Seth's like, I have a thing, a few things to say to some people and like have it feel more realistic and more organic. Like I can imagine, you know, these specific wrestlers going, okay, I'll hear you out, Seth, but get to it. And sort of having a more natural interaction with him. I think you could have accomplished almost everything the same way without all the negative that that drags down everybody who participated in that very orchestrated, unrealistic scenario that led up to it. Yeah, wait, I, when you were talking about them falling in love with it, it's almost like when you, after a night of drinking, when you fall in love with the idea of eating an entire pizza and then wake up the next morning going, what the hell just happened? I mean, that's kind of what I hope that they're all thinking at this moment. Like, how the hell did we get here? And why did we think that was a good idea? I'm not sure. But, you know, this is something that... Even the the, if, late, the late night Totino's party pizza smell. <laughs> when when maybe, people raid maybe. your freezer during a party and they put like three of them in, in the oven at three in the right. morning and they're all soggy and the house just smells of beer and pizza the next day. And then it's like two months before you can eat a Totino's party pizza again. Well, I'm coming to the Keller residence, apparently, because that's where the fun is. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it has to, that, yes. that's, that's what I call a Saturday night. Yeah. But, um, 
the uh, yeah, I think this is something they, they could have come up with, a more, like you said, a, a stronger explanation for suddenly, you know, that he's going to make a plea to the entire roster. They didn't even build that part up. And what I actually thought was if they'd used technology to their advantage, where if they had everyone from the roster on the on the like the Titantron thing and had them all like they're on a Zoom call watching and then slowly watching them just totally fade out. To me, that would have been a more powerful message mm, than what they yeah, did here. Yeah. This just seems so fake and so artificial and and did no positive work for anybody involved in it. I, again, I'm just brainstorming. I'm not saying it's a great idea, but as, as I'm thinking of it, I think this might solve some of the problems we have with it. Which is, you could have had Adam Pierce say, I want everyone to come to the ring because I'm going to announce who's going to be in Elimination Chamber qualifiers. So you have a pretense for wrestlers mm-hmm. coming out, their interest parties. And then Seth comes out ahead of schedule, tells Pierce, get out of the ring. I'm, I'm not going to wait till the top of the second hour to come out like you guys have scripted. I want to talk right now. I got things to say. And then the wrestlers walk out on him. And then you then you yeah. just, so you, you build up the announcement of who's going to wrestle in the, for the Chamber qualifiers. You have a... a presupposition or an explanation that makes sense for why wrestlers are at ringside. Seth is established as a heel right away. So in other words, again, maybe there's a dozen better ideas than that that anybody listening can come up with. But I think there's it shows there's ways to do it that take into account the the emasculation or the, the kids waiting in line for, for a fire drill aspect of wrestlers coming out to listen to a heel right. talk. It's just, ugh, I, right. yeah. Wait, I would have even taken them saying from the beginning, he wants to issue an apology to the, to the locker room. There you go. You know, and then yeah. having it not be there. I mean, how much cleaner it could be clean. That's, that's the thing. it. Yeah. That's it. And I wish that's where I'm not sure they're self-aware of how bad that is. You know, I mean, right. You know, look at what Stephanie McMahon does every time she's on TV. Sometimes there's just a lack of self-awareness in the company. All right. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. I'm Rich Fan, host of The Deep Dive with Rich Fan, a weekly part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup of shows. Search PW Torch and Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I dive in with a guest for an hour on anything in the world of wrestling or wrestling related. Want to hear about the influence of historical figures like Big Cat or Any Lad? We gotcha. Want to hear about how crazy the Marine movies got? We are on it. No topic is too big or too small. So if you want to dive in with us, call in live or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. John, back to you for any quick closing words. I want to get to other college too, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a couple of quick things. The first was, what did you think about Sonia, even though I like her tonight, about just uh, having tag teams matches to be, qual- to be to qualify? I didn't really like that. What did you guys think about that? And then secondly, I love all the callers, but I wanted to say to Javier, I give you a lot of credit. I love when you get on there and you guys just talk about like stuff, because I like the inner workings of wrestling, and so it's cool to hear you guys talk about it there for a while. So I always enjoy that. I hope there's more of that tonight. I appreciate you guys. Wade, thank you for all you do for the business. Nick, I appreciate you, and thanks for taking my call, as always. Thanks, John. Thank you very much. 
Uh, good topics. Javier is uh, waiting on hold, so we'll get to kind of our our informal end-of-caller segment roundtable with him. Um, yeah, the, the tag team thing, I I don't have a strong opinion on it, but I guess my inclination when she said it is, oh, we can get a lot done on one show. Um, it kind of doubles the stakes in each match. I was okay with it. And I liked also that Ziggler and, like, the, Ziggler and Rude made their case. Like, they made their pitch. They made it seem, I wouldn't say believable that they were going to win, but I couldn't rule it out. You know, if you kind of step back and look at the lay of the land of the heel-face ratio and the stories WWE tells, you could pretty much tell who's going to win that. But just by giving them some some mic time and interaction, at least it created a intra-show backstory where you could believe in them. Same thing with, like, uh, Corey Graves on commentary, falling in love with the idea of Dominic and Ray fighting each other, if they want. It's like, God, would they really invest that much time in that if they weren't actually going to do it? And so if you get just wrapped up in the match and you don't step back and realize, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, probably not. It's a little thing that you can inject into the show that that adds a little layer, an extra layer of drama that might not be there if they didn't just try to do it, and they did. So I applaud them for that. Uh, Nick, your thoughts? Yeah, I just wish they would have done it a week out because to me it just it reeks of, okay, so then what was there no plan for this show? Would there have been no matches? <laughs> yeah. Was there no format? And that always sticks out to me. And I, honestly, I don't view it as such a you know granular in the weeds kind of level. I don't look for the negative, but that always sticks out to me of, well, wait, if this, this wasn't going to happen, then what was going to happen? And the idea that just nothing was going to be scheduled, that, that doesn't ring exactly as accurate to me. Just a passing comment of Sonya going, you know, I know we're excited about our lineup tonight, uh, but I've informed the wrestlers we've made some changes. Um, everyone who was scheduled to wrestle, you know, is still going to be scheduled, but we've kind of rearranged some things with high stakes. Just a little passing comment like that. Now, the danger in that is what AEW is trying to do. Because um, AEW would be like, well, if this match ends, be- uh, if the match doesn't end before the end of the top of the hour, we're going to a draw. Um, you know, it'll be a, an official time limit draw. They try to incorporate these sports-like things, and they realize how you're just drawing attention to the fact that the matches, your main event matches, almost always have a finish, and it almost always comes with somewhere between 30 and 90 seconds left in the show. And if that's just baked in, and there's no avoiding it. Drawing attention to it with an implausible explanation that if it doesn't happen to end with just seconds left in the show, it'll be a draw, and that never happens. Are you going to say that every time? Because that you're just drawing attention to something that you can't avoid the implausibility of, but the alternative is ending matches with five minutes left in the show and upsetting TNT with a big drop-off in callers and giving NXT a boost. So it, it's easy. I, I say that because I've been on your side, Nick, and I still am, but I, I am sympathetic to... When there's something that just is sort of inevitable, we're going to have times where we seem like we're making up the show on the fly. And if you do that a lot, and there's not a good way to explain it, you're drawing attention to something that you don't have a good explanation for. And in some ways, I th- I, I, I'll just say this. I get that they have just thrown, sort of thrown their hands up and said, people know what we are. They, you know, they know it's entertainment, not pure sport. And they know that we're creating a drama and there's going to be some holes. And I just think they've resigned themselves to that being sort of baked into the structure and the, uh, the the format of the show, and they just sort of hope, if they don't draw attention to it, that viewers won't care. You and I do. I don't know what percentage do. I wish they could figure out a way to fix that a little bit more, and I think there's a way to tweak it, but I'm not not sympathetic to why they choose the approach they take, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I just think the tweak is just as a plan for one week out. I'm not asking them to you know map out the six months, but I oh, think that's asking you're a lot just there. having something. Des- Vince planning I a week know, ahead. Do you know how many people spit out their coffee? <laughs> Go ahead. Well, you know, maybe maybe that's me being naive and, and whatnot. But I mean, they they've had spurts of sanity in the past. I have yes. I have more hope that maybe they could come more frequently. I think, or you know. Like you said, I, even in the immediacy, that just strikes me as odd. Maybe if they said later in the show and, you know, had it really distantly into the later in the show. Yeah. Other than that, the fact that there's just no first match planned, that's odd. No, and, and really, you could have, you know, Cole just say in passing, well, Corey, I guess we've got to rip up our format sheet here. And Corey's like, yeah, you never know what's going to happen on Friday night. Even that would be enough. Right? Yeah, just, hey, change of plans on the fly. Um it's SmackDown. That happens. You know, just some acknowledgement that, yeah, there was a show planned. Right. I agree. Yeah. Are you a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling? Then join the New Japan Pride podcast starring Bethany Rubel and Javier Machado with an eye for the action and an eye for the story. We'll keep you abreast of all New Japan shows both in Japan and also covering their American expansion with New Japan Strong. And I'll watch all the Yano matches so Bethany doesn't have to. And I'll watch all of the Ibushi matches. Wait a minute. I didn't script that. Listen to our weekly podcast exclusively with the PW Torch VIP membership. Become a member at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. All right, our number is 347-215-8558. Push one on the keypad if you want to join us. We'll get to our next call here. Uh, we'll go to 802 802- uh, 802, go ahead and state your name and where you're calling from. Good evening, Nick and Wade. It's uh, our bi-weekly Confused Wade. This is Nick from Brownsboro, Vermont. <laughs> hey, uh, I hey. love that moment every time. And actually, yes. actually, Wade, call me Nicholas. And yeah, I know no. Nick's name is Nicholas, yeah. too, but that, that way we can... We can be good. <laughs> no, but here's here's why that won't work, Nick from um, Brattleboro, Vermont. I know you as Nick, and I know Nick Barbati as Nick or Nicholas Barbati because his email and his Skype ID and his Twitter, it's Nicholas. So uh, okay. <laughs> I'd rather call Nick Barbati call Nicholas. Call yeah, right? I'm going to call you Nick from Vermont. That's what I'll do. Listen, that, listen unless, unless guys, in my Vermont. late 20s, in my late 20s, I thought Nicholas sounded more fancy. Okay, well, now I've, for the wrestling world, I've adopted Nick. It sounds tougher. Well, well, Nick, I'll, I'll just say this is my dad, my parents named me Nicholas, and actually my sister, sister is Catherine at, after the Tsar and Tsarina because they wanted elegant names. Oh. So wear the name proudly. I, I, I will do and, so. Uh, I, I just adjusted my crown for you. I got it. <laughs> Good, good. And then also, Nick is a nice, strong name, and Nick Adams stories by Hemingway. So you're you're in good company. I like it. <laughs> and I have a big coffee stain on my wall from spitting my coffee out. No, um, <laughs> I'm I'm totally with Nick tonight. I, I mean, like I'm in a good mood, and so you know, the show. I enjoyed the show. I mean, there's a lot of little minor things, uh, you know, that that I could I could you know, pick nits at and stuff. And just in general, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, the, everything seemed to be, you know, pretty good. Um, and, 
you know, even even the standard everybody involved brawl at the end of the show was fine. I mean, it kind mm-hmm. of you know because it 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 seemed to fit everybody's character who would you know who was involved. So you know, I just I, I enjoyed the show and. Uh, the one thing I, I wanted to say, and it's one to promote myself a little bit, my review of uh, Talking Smack on Saturdays, but if anybody and everybody should try and catch Talking Smack once in a while, because Paul Heyman does amazing work on that show. Yeah. Um, last week, the guests basically didn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they came out, they shook Paul's hand, and then Paul, like, took over. And, like, he made Bianca a star because he talked and all she did was, was emote. And, and it was, like, the best Bianca that I've seen on WWE. You know, just in terms of he's able to make her so much better. And then she was on Raw Talk on Monday and he's not there. And she was, like, back to her kind of still growing self. So... If anyone wants to experience all, like, uh, Sasha's on tomorrow, and I'll be really interested to see what Paul can do with Sasha. It's it's a master class. That is a sales pitch for tomorrow's show for sure, because I still don't know what's going on with Sasha. Um, mm-hmm. It's uh, We didn't get the as much of the laugh this week as, as we got the last couple, two, three weeks from her. The ah, uh, weird coughing up a hairball at the end of the of, of the yeah. of the chuckle which I, I am hopefully that's a sign that that's going away um but her 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 mannerisms her interaction with reginald i just i still don't know what to think i mean i don't want to turn it into a big thing every week but she's important enough you know she's a central figure heading into wrestlemania and it, it nick it just feels like i feel she's either lost or she's delusional that what she's doing is good um, I ran a Twitter poll last week. I know I'm not alone on this. The vast majority thought she was either a heel or there's something wrong with her character. Um, it was, I think, in the teens in terms of percentage who saw, thought she was on the right course as a babyface. Your thoughts on what we saw tonight? And, and again, I want to underline, I'm looking forward to seeing what Heyman and Sasha uh, do on, on Talking Smack tomorrow. And if you don't watch it, check out uh, Vermont Nick's report at PWTorch.com tomorrow. But go ahead, uh, uh, Nick, with your thoughts. I assume you're talking about this, Nick. So, uh, Co-host Nick, wait, not caller Nick. That, that'll work. <laughs> so, uh, no, you know what? I I think Sean made the point earlier today about that. He found her more likable because and, and like what she's doing. Well, those are actually two different things because I didn't find anything likable about her today. But I really liked her and I liked what she was doing, which I think – you know, I do think she is still walking around with an air of confidence and an air of, you know, the, the, of superiority in her performance. And, and no, I, I don't think, especially now, that she is supposed to be the face. I have long said, and excuse the, the metaphor, but she is the Madonna to Lady Gaga in this storyline with Bianca Belair heading into WrestleMania. She is the more veteran one who does not like someone challenging the throne and the crown and Bianca Belair's stance should be what Lady Gaga's was, was you can keep your throne. And by the way, I don't want a throne. I'm of the people. So that's the storyline that should be heading into WrestleMania. It's one that is, you know, as all this time in pop culture, especially when it comes to female acts and how they've been pitted against each other and the competitive competitiveness um, that they exude. 
to me, what I, one of the things that I did not like about um, Sasha Banks was the the there's still this element of Reginald and the lingering element of him in this whole thing. I don't know where Carmelo was tonight, but even that moment where it's like, is her is her drink spiked? Is like what 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 was that? What's wrong with the drink that he gave her? And that was unnecessary and and really doesn't I don't think fit her motivation of a character where she would just take a random drink from some guy who was just giving her something. Um, but in terms of actually coming out to the ring, I I thought she I thought she looked incredible when she was coming out and the Street Profits were still there. That felt the freshest thing on SmackDown that I could imagine. If I were a young person turning on the channel and seeing that, that would feel different. That would feel like, oh, wow, these guys look cooler than than I remember wrestling looking in a while. And that is what would make someone, I think, a, a newer fan become a fan. Um, and, and she's carrying a lot of that weight. Now, the personality that she is carrying, carrying is not likable. And maybe it doesn't have to be, but maybe we just stop having to be convinced that it should be because she's not likable. And but yet I think I really, really like a lot of what she's doing. Does that make sense? I, yes, it does. And it's a, it's, your struggle is reflective of my observations over too, because it's Sasha Banks. She's got star power, charisma. People love her. They're invested in her journey. And it seems like it would be hard to mess up because people wanted her to go babyface. And yet there's something that's messed up about it, but there's still enough of what people like about Sasha still there, the legacy of her journey. And who she still is and who people know her to be. And so it's it's Bianca and Sasha. I want them to be themselves. And that's what Vermont Nick, caller Nick, uh, SmackDown, uh, talking smack, excuse me, reporter Nick, um, is documenting and, and touting. <laughs> is on talking smack, you see that side of the wrestlers and you want to see more of that on the air. There was a moment tonight where uh, Michael Cole and Corey Gray started cracking up over something. And they were coming back from a video package, and I, I now I can't remember what match it was. but And it was like, an, I actually felt like I know what Michael Cole's genuine laugh sounds like now. Because I never do. I mean, it, it's everything is always put on. It was uh, actually the, when they went came back from the Otis Gable uh, uh, warm-up during her introductions <laughs> for that match. Right. And there was a genuine mat, laugh that Cole and Grace cracked each other up. I'm like, oh my god, a real moment. It happens like once every four months, and it just jumps out. It's it's so much better. Um, I want WWE to loosen up and let wrestlers not go into this mode of, oh, I'm on TV, I have to kind of tighten up and and be a character, and instead loosen up and be themselves. And we see that on Talking Smack, and that's what Paul Heyman tries to foster with uh, with people when it's uh, you know learning tree time, as uh, as Vermont Nick points out. Hey guys, it's Mike McMahon from the All Elite After Show. Every week, Andrew Socek and I break down AEW on our free PW Torch podcast. We've been doing this show since 2016. That's right. We're on our fifth year. When we started the show back then, we were talking just Impact Wrestling, and we still talk about them from time to time as well. And over the years, we've branched out to also discuss MLW, and of course, the main event of our program, which is always the latest going on in AEW. Again, the show is called the All Elite After Show with me, Mike McMahon, and my partner, Andrew Socek. You can check us out as part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. You can subscribe to our show and all of the Daily Cast shows just by searching PW Torch on any podcast 
podcast app. And of course, you can listen ad-free with a PW Torch VIP membership. Hey, thank you. Yeah, I. Yeah, no, I just. It was like when Sasha came came out and she was interacting with the street prophets. You know, besides the fact that it's kind of weird that because it's Bianca's husband, but they were dancing and she was vibing with them and they with her, and it was like it seemed. I mean, that's the Sasha I remember from you know three or four years ago. Even if she was a heel, she that. Right at that moment, she really seemed to be having fun. She yeah. was loose. Right, and, Nick, that was special. It really was ring. a special moment. Yeah, and she gets in the ring, and she gets that script going. You know, maybe it's with her. You've got to, and it'll be, as I said, it'll be real interesting to see what Paul does with her. You throw her some bullet points and let her be natural, you know, and that inner star power can come out. Um, and... What I was wondering also is, is the women's revolution over because they don't get a elimination match, <laughs> elimination cage match? I am uh, totally fine. Uh, I mean, with, not that they have... Yeah, no, I know we're being facetious. I'm, I'm totally <laughs> fine with not um, uh, forcing and wedging everything uh, that the men get, the women get, uh, in equal doses every show. I think it, yep. it can all even out in the end. And if it doesn't, big deal. Um, a gimmick... Uh, an Elimination Chamber match or an Aurora Rumble doesn't define uh, whether you're treating the women well or not. It's other factors, I think, that mean more. I'm all for a women's rumble, but that, that alone isn't enough. It's, it's, how, it's how you portray them, how you feature them, um, your hiring process, your firing process, how they're treated behind the scenes, how the commentators talk about them. Are they girls or are they women? Because you don't call Seth a boy um, in a professional setting. I'm not talking about casually with your friends, but in a professional setting – you don't you don't work in a newspaper and refer to a girl an eighteen plus year old female as a girl and keep your job, and I think the announcers should also approach things that way. They're women; they're not ladies, unless you call them gentlemen. It's a whole thing in terms of being professional and treating them that way. And there's a whole history and baggage that comes with terminology that they should be aware of if they want to be thoroughly serious about treating the women in the in the dignified professional way that they're self preaching about what mode they're in um, is. Uh, should 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 demand. And so as long as they're good about that, I don't care if they get an elimination chamber every year or only once every few years. Right. And I also just don't want to see this continuation of the Nia Jax storyline go into an elimination chamber and find out how big of a wound we can create for her in that setting. Oh, God. I, ugh, I didn't even want to bring that up. <laughs> I find, uh, can I just say, all kidding aside, I'm a bit of a prude when it comes to this stuff. I fully admit that. I find that to be the most just uh, vile of things that I've seen on WWE in, or television. I think that's just unacceptably disgusting. Uh, Jake Barnett tweeted about it, and I'm, I'm just mad at Jake for tweeting about it, what he tweeted. So, Well, now we're all going to look. Thanks. <laughs> 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 they edited that out of the YouTube clip, and yet then they play it on national television. The word, yeah. you know, they, anyway. Um, last thing. Oh, um, God, I, wait, I, I just. I, just on, I, <laughs> <laughs> I well, didn't tell. you going to make Beagle look at it. I didn't Thank make you look it up. I didn't make you look it up. I'm just saying I'm out of shape. <laughs> 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 
is I agree with Sean. Is I thought the whole the Seth Rollins thing was absolutely terrible. I first of all, I thought it made him look like a fool that he's left standing there. Yeah. I mean, it's just here's what theoretically is your number two bad guy, yeah. your number two heel, and you and you make him look like a complete fool out there. And I think. Actually, I think the whole thing was basically to swerve us, because if you notice, when he came out, he came out to the burn it down theme and the fire and not the Messiah music and stuff. And, you know, and then he's talking about the baby and then he swerves to be, you know, still the Messiah. I, You know, I think that's, you know, just kind of what Wade was saying is they had an ending they wanted to get to and they just... But I just thought it made him look ten times smaller than you'd want to have your big your big act coming back. I also just don't think I, I don't like the linkage of the child and the reference to Becky Lynch and all of that to her for her sake yeah. of if he is going to be made to look like a fool or he is still going to remain the heel. That's not a good look for the long term of her character. Well, when she returns eventually, is she going to be granted a hero's welcome and this will be forgotten? Yes, yeah, certainly. But again, a, an unnecessary wound that does not need to be there for the characters. No. Yeah, I, I don't. Oh, I don't oh, think they're oh, an. Oh, I, I don't think they're under an obligation to remind us of that. And I was actually encouraged initially that when they were plugging that Seth is coming out next, that wasn't part of his bio. But then it's on the graphic, and then Seth acknowledges it. I, may, they might think we can't win. Because if we don't acknowledge it, we're going to go, oh, you're trying to hide the obvious from us, and you already congratulated them, and you're playing us for fools by not not you know, trusting us to understand. It's like, no. I mean, they're the George Conway and Kellyanne Conway of, of wrestling, um, but I don't think that's a marketing pitch. I think you're better off just letting you know Becky do her thing when and if she comes back, but not hang a lantern on it. Don't, don't make a big, big focus on it. And I think people will accept that, you know, that it's not something that, they need to draw attention to. Hopefully, we're over. It's over now. No, Wade. If they are married to that idea of literally keeping them as a would-be married couple, and and that, I actually think the template to use now. Don't think I'm crazy. Is the Kim Kardashian Kanye West relationship where Kim would come out and say, "Listen, I love him, but he's got issues. I'm sticking with him. I'm committed to it." But you know, yeah. I, I mean, there is a way to maintain face with the characters of saying. You know, that that still maintains who they are, but still makes some sense here. All it takes is a little effort. Yeah. Yep. I don't I don't know if I want to put this out there, but one division <laughs> they could do fifty sitcom skits with the two of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Maybe you shouldn't put that out there. I don't trust out to be doing Marvel Universe. Slash Disney. Anyway, I'll let you guys go. Um, have a good weekend. Yes. Bye, Nick. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Nick. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out exclusively for PW Torch VIP members.
right, we'll go next here to uh, 410. Uh, 410, thanks for uh, holding. Go ahead, state your name and where you're calling from. Hi, this is Steve from Baltimore. Hey, Steve, good to hear from you. Yeah, what uh, what do you think of SmackDown tonight? I thought it was overall a good show. Uh, I think that the Seth segment was even worse than an aspect you guys haven't talked about yet, though. Uh-oh. If there's one guy on the roster that should have uh, been upset at what he was doing and should have reacted to what he was doing, it's Roman Reigns. Calling yourself the leader of the show when you're the head of the table, I, I think that it did a disservice to Roman not to have him react to that the way that Seth was. You know, he, he should have been angry at somebody else coming out there trying to be the leader of the show, I think. What do you guys think? That, oh, that, now that's a good point. Yeah, did that cross your mind watching it? I mean, I I think you're going to have Seth and Roman on separate planes, and Roman's so preoccupied with his business. But I get that crossing your mind if you're Steve watching the show. Um, you know, it's two two alphas. I mean, I guess you could wait it out till next draft and just, you know, move one of them to the other brand and never have them cross paths over it. But it also sort of plants a seed that you can – I'm saying plant a seed a lot, but they are – that's what you want in wrestling. You want them to drop clues and breadcrumbs along the way um, that that lead you to something that feels like a long time coming. And maybe that's what they're doing here too is maybe they have something in mind for much later, although I can't imagine either Seth or Roman turning babyface between now and next fall. Right. Well, I suggested at one point that I thought that um... – uh, Seth Rollins could come back as part of the Roman Reigns stable, and everyone on the calls or callers yelled at me when that happened. So I'm not going to offer that again. I <laughs> say I think it could still happen. And well, the re- you know, and but I do think Wade I, it, that the the point does ring as something that would be accurate within this world. And I do think that if if Roman Reigns is the center of this world and everything else is just rotating around him, then it would kind of fit to say you know. How how are how is this guy you know presenting himself when when I'm the the, the leader of this whole pack um, and maybe we'll see that as a continuation to next week because I do think it, it's only natural that they cross paths in some capacity and I think having Seth Rollins if the if it eventually does go there where he is um, paired as part of the the Roman Reigns faction that's not such a bad place it in many ways makes a lot of sense and protects both characters. And for Seth Rollins' sake, I would hope that actually might be something that's being considered because we see how just well-produced everyone who's involved in that faction actually is. All right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, back, yeah, back to you, uh, Steve. I don't really have anything else to add on that. Apollo Crews, Big E, what did you guys think of the match and the angle afterwards? I thought Apollo Crews showed something, a, a little more personality as a heel uh, than he has before. Um, yeah, what do you think, Nick? Well, first, I just hate this whole powerhouse of positivity thing. I mean, that gives me way too much make a difference Fatu vibes that I just don't <laughs> like. Um, but just there's, you know, there's no consistency with Big E. This is like the bane of my existence is talking about Big E on a week by week basis because you know I like the I like the performer. I it, it comes across like I don't, but there's just I find him when we talk about the uh, Sasha Banks not being likable. Sometimes I just find Big E just just entirely unlikable. I just want to go back to Christmas. Wait, do you remember Christmas? You and I were on a call. <laughs> everything was nice. We had this great dinner. And now, then we watched this amazing wrestling show. And Big E was the next big thing, the next big star. He had this tremendous, you know, pomp and circumstance. Everything since then 
implosion. I mean, the idea that he could have been a dark horse winner of of Royal Rumble that was always there, and maybe maybe that's just the pause we're waiting for, and then that that goes away, obviously, and we're still in this in this spot where I think he is continually outclassed by Apollo Crews right now on a week by week basis. One of the things that I, I do struggle with is the idea that they flirted with the idea of Apollo Crews um, meeting with Roman Reigns and that there was no follow up to that, which that just, I just, I don't like that because everything in the Roman Reigns storyline seems to be connected and nothing, those kind of like weird points don't get dropped like that. And so I wish there was more of a follow up or, just some kind of just acknowledgement of maybe something he learned from Reigns that he's now bringing into this feud with Big E, which maybe I missed something, but I, I still think that that's something that is up in the air. But Big E just to me, just he he's getting passed by by Sami Zayn performing. At, I think at a really incredible level at this point, Cesaro, you know, even though Nakamura didn't isn't living up to that where he was after that gauntlet match. Still, he's more exciting when you see him come to the ring. And, you know, when he's going up against Big E, I'm sorry, Nakamura is the the sexy, pretty girl in the ring, you know, so as someone worth rooting for. There's really not a whole lot of Big E to root for. And that cartoon character, when he comes out in the body shape, in the cart, like the shape of him mid thrust makes me want to gag every time. There, there's little glimpses of Big E showing that if he got serious and acted more like a, a serious athlete whose goal was to not just entertain, uh, but to be the best he, he can be at his chosen craft. And the entertainment was a side dish, not the main course. It could still work. Uh, but every week that goes by that he's a solo wrestler with a title, and he's he's willing to just lean in on being a goof, and he's pulling the Band-Aid so slowly away from the stuff that I think to find him down during New Day, it shows, a, I think, a, a stubbornness and a lack of, I mean, I know he says this brought me to the dance, but a lack of confidence that a more serious Big E is marketable. And and I think it is. And I don't think he believes that's true. And that's what's frustrating because I think he's wrong. I think I believe more in Big E than Big E does when it comes to a, a more toned down, less zany, wacky, over the top Big E, I think, can work. I think that's in him. Uh, so yeah. Oh, anyway, uh, back to you, Steve. Anything else? I, I agree with your take on Biggie. I, I feel like he's getting his own way and stopping himself from reaching his potential. Yeah. Um. Lastly, uh, Cesaro. I, I really like how he's been used of late. Uh, getting dominant wins with a sharpshooter. Think that uh, he's going to beat. Seth Rollins either at Fastlane or Elimination Chamber, or, or is he going to go all the way to WrestleMania with that possibility? I haven't processed that yet. I haven't thought through, because this is, feels very new in my brain right now, Seth and Cesaro, uh, because Seth hasn't been on TV. Cesaro hadn't been getting a push. Suddenly Cesaro's getting a babyface singles push. Suddenly Seth makes a comeback, and that's the chosen opponent. I like it, but I haven't thought through like what, what my expectation should be. What, what is your first uh, kind of hot take on this, Nick? Right. Well, uh, to me, I think all roads lead to WrestleMania, and we've got to work backwards from there. Do I really see Cesaro in the main event against Roman Reigns? Say, I, I don't, because what I'm still missing from Cesaro is, I think, the character depth that they're going to have an expectation for the opponent of Roman Reigns to have carrying the drama of the storyline. But I, I, on a personal note, would I love if that was the direction? A hundred percent. You know, I, I hope we get we we get there. But as Wade referenced earlier, I mean, I am like 
hands down all against Edge versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And it's not on any kind of bias that I have against any of the performers other than what I saw in front of my face last week and how I don't think it meets the standards of the SmackDown main event picture that we've had for the past six months. Um, you know, one of the things when you went through earlier on in this show about what if this person wins? What if what if Brian wins? Then he loses to Reigns. What if uh, Owens wins? Then he maybe loses to Reigns. What if Zayn wins? Then he loses to Reigns. But what if Jay Uso wins? And what if that is something that we return <laughs> back to as, you know, a peak point and that maybe leads us to a surprise program heading into WrestleMania? I'm just not ready to toss that all out for this lame who can do a spear better storyline with Edge and Roman Reigns or whatever that that is. And it, to me, I, I just cringe at that entire prospect. But when it comes to Cesaro, if if there actually is a – a, a character investment beyond, hey, I like your new tracksuit, then I'm all in on it. And I hope that there is that. Um, but I really worry that this is just another example of someone who recently signed a contract and gets a push to a certain level before Vince one day wakes up and goes, wait, why did I, what, why is this guy this high up there? No, 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 no. Let's, let's reshuffle him back down to where I feel comfortable with. And I'm almost like bracing myself yeah. for that moment to happen. I don't blame you for bracing yourself for it. I'm hopeful that a big money multi-year contract uh, to keep him from going to New Japan or AEW um, is enough incentive for Vince to prove that investment was worthwhile. But if he signed it out of distress or he's going to punish Cesaro for daring to have leverage, um, you know, I wouldn't rule anything out. They got money to burn. Um, I mean, almost literally (laughs) uh, with the, the, the deals that they've made. With Peacock and Fox and NBC Universal, so um, yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful. I think Cesaro's earning it. You know, I think he's gonna. Cesaro's another guy, kind of like Big E, where there's there's he can revert to Claudio a little bit, his his Ring of Honor persona, and be a little goofy. I think that how wrestlers carry themselves behind the scenes affects them. I've mentioned this before. There was like some behind the scenes footage on a documentary once of Wade Barrett behind the scenes during the Nexus era, and he's just acting like a big goof and just. Like, really acting loosey-goosey. And I was like, you know, if I was his agent, I'd tell him not to do that. Because if Vince sees that or producers right, see that, right. they're like, oh, you're not a serious guy. Steve Austin didn't do that. Um, Drew McIntyre doesn't do that. Like, Roman Reigns doesn't do that. There's there's a level of – it's it's weird, but, the, you know, it's a workplace. And I know it's also your friends on the road. But if you want to be taken seriously, you want to dress and carry yourself yep. for the yep. part. And that's what I want Biggie and Cesaro to do is I want them to go – I'm a top guy now, and I want to. I aspire to be a top top guy, and I, I I'm not. It's not that I'm not going to have fun when I'm out of the arena, hanging out with people at the bar. If people still do that or whatever, <laughs> but backstage, be a pro and carry yourself like like you want to be a top top guy, and and that should carry over then on air too. And so with Cesaro, what I'm watching for is does is he going to send the signal to fans? I'm at a more serious level right now. You know, I'm I'm. This was always in me. I've turned the page, and this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be likable. I'm not going to be a stick in the mud. But I'm more serious than I used to be, and it's going to result in you being rewarded for taking me more seriously when I'm in the ring against top-level opponents. This is a chance with Seth to prove that. I would think with Seth coming back after a hiatus, Seth is going to win the feud. But Roman needs opponents, and Seth could end up being not a top-top heel, but a Phil TV time heel. And Cesaro is someone that they actually strengthened for Roman this summer. And so 
I go into this, whatever they're doing, however long it lasts, not completely resigned to or committed to uh, a certain outcome. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't see Cesaro making it all the way up to the, the top feud with Roman Reigns. I really don't. Um, I, I just, I literally can't even picture it in my head, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, am, uh, I am surprised he's getting the push he's getting. I am, uh, I've been surprised by Jey Uso. I'm not surprised at how good Roman is. It, it is an I told you so moment. I said it for six years. Roman is going to be a phenomenal heel. Um, as much as I ripped him on as a, as a face and how he carried himself and what he said in interviews that unwound and undid and uh, just completely undercut any momentum he might have as a baby face. I just like everything that I'm compl- complaining about with him is all, all works for him being a heel. And it's all come together. I, 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 want, to, uh, I, I want to believe that uh that cesaro can can surprise me and biggie can surprise me and that those are two opponents that that can take on reigns later this year uh, okay right, but wait if yeah. jay uso is the is the template for this of someone who we can be surprised by there the sure uso had some really clunky verbal exchanges along the way and just and inter- interviews that just weren't great one thing you can't say about him is that, A, that the work rate didn't increase week by week in terms of looking strong as an individual rather than one half of a pair. But the other part is his nonverbals were the key to almost it all. The eyes, the, the expressions, the drama, the, the sadness, everything that he showed, but also in the, the, the confidence that he carried. I don't mean like always walking with a swagger. I mean the fact that literally with every step you could feel what his character was supposed to feel. When I see Cesaro, sometimes he just catches me as walking with a lanky goofiness. And even with the when he does the, um, I'm doing the motion in my dining room, like uh, that you can see me, but you can't. But the with where he shuffles his arms back and forth, uh, you know, it just it never feels powerful. It feels it feels a little lame. And I think that those are some of the challenges that I would. You know, the ring work is phenomenal, phenomenal. I, don't, I can't even imagine it being any stronger, but it's time to tighten up those nonverbals. If we're resigned to the fact that the interviews the, as WWE produces them are what they are going to be for him and he's going to, you know, have stronger days and clearly weaker days. It's the, the nonverbals that I think he really needs to strengthen that would um, really be a strong benefit to getting him anywhere near what could be seen as a main event act. Yeah, yep, well put. Uh, Steve, anything else for us? No, thank you guys very much. All right, cool. Good to hear from you. Thanks, Steve. Announcing our first VIP sale of 2021. Just 99 cents gets you a full month of VIP access. If you act now, go to pwtorch.com slash govip. Enter coupon code 2021SALE. That's right, 2021SALE. And that'll take $9 off our usual $9.99 monthly subscription price. That's 2021 sale. Enter that in the coupon code box on our sign-up form at pwtorch.com slash govip. If you're a wrestling fan, you're a fan of a good story. And if you're looking for a good story, look no further than Stories of Your and Yours. I'm Sean Ennis, and on every episode of Stories of Your and Yours, I narrate a classic or listener-submitted short story, adding music and sound effects to bring the story new flavor. I featured authors such as Edgar Allan Poe, Kurt Vonnegut, Ray Bradbury, Mark Twain, and many more. So don't wait any longer. Download Stories of Your, that's Y-O-R-E, and Yours, that's Y-O-U-R-S, today.
And if you want to hear clips and get more information, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at SYY Podcast. That's stories of your and yours, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump to Javier here. Uh, Javier in Miami, thank you for calling. Uh, what do you want to talk about regarding SmackDown tonight? Hey, wait, Nick, how's it going? Good, good. Um, well, I, I want to. I, I just want to thank uh, Sean for the kind words, which uh, totally, totally, totally pains me. I'm gonna have to correct something he said. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the 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 Street Profits. Uh, they were actually quoting Sonya Deville when they talked about being entertaining. Uh, Montez Ford said, wait a minute. So Sonya Deville says, instead of us worrying about getting a tag team title rematch, we should focus on being entertaining. And he said that dismissively. Ah, good. There you go. Really good catch. Really good catch. Sean, you're banned for the rest of the show. Now, (laughs) now, unfortunately, (laughs) uh, after that, they proceeded to be entertaining, complete showing a complete lack of self-awareness. That's so. yeah. That's that's the thing. Yeah. The rest of the rest yeah. of the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that line was dropped because I think that that's WWE's way of saying uh, Kofi's not getting his rematch. Explain that more. Well, like that they're you know don't 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 expect there to be a rematch between these two teams right now because we got you know they're they're heading off into different directions doing something else. Oh, okay. Yep, so right. I think that you know kind of like how you know when Co- you know everybody want, expected Kofi yeah to get a rematch against Brock Lesnar, but you know obviously that wasn't going to happen because it was you know yeah uh, it was time to move on. So I I think that's what that line was there for mainly. Yep. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, the yeah, I, I I too did not was not a fan of the Seth Rollins thing, um, but I I think and this is what's annoying because I think they have people who understand storytelling over there just don't understand wrestling because yeah. the the whole thing with them gathering the the wrestlers around the, around the ring this is a callback to when he first started the Messiah gimmick. And he caught, he, he told all the wrestlers to come out so mm-hmm. he can, you know, and then that's when he gave his whole, you know, I'm the leader. And, and then they all started leaving one by one. And mm-hmm. I think it was either Buddy Murphy or who were the only ones that, you know, only one person stayed. And then that's, I, I think it was, I think, I think it was Buddy Murphy or, or might've been uh, Austin Theory back when that was still going on. I, I forgot when, when, what it actually was. So that felt like a callback to that. And it looked like the wrestlers were out there hoping to see him change. And then when he started going back to the, doing the same thing, they, they walked out disgusted again. The only problem with that, and it makes me think, like, why are the wrestlers in the WWE locker room so desperate to find a leader? Yeah, why? Well, I, I don't buy that they are desperate to find a leader. I buy that there's no way to make sense of them being at ringside other than some somebody in management said, go do it. I don't actually prescribe that they're that they had any desire to be there. That said... That is contradicted by the fact that they were able to walk out mid-segment, which means if they felt forced to be out there in the first place, were they given the the latitude or the agency to walk out in the middle? Um, and that's why the whole thing just shouldn't have been done, because the way that it was done, because even if you try to come up with an explanation for it, I don't think it worked. Yeah, it, but that, that's the thing, because it, it feels you know because it feels like somebody who read a. Uh... Uh, how to write a story and are trying to mirror, uh, you know, something that happened before to something that happened later, but not really yeah. understanding, you know, how it works counter <laughs> to, uh, to, uh, to the story that you're trying to tell or how wrestling works. 
which is why it's frustrating. It feels like some, you know, because it feels like they understand the writing tricks, but not how to apply it to the wrestling universe, which is, you know, the most frustrating thing. Well, they're, uh, um, not long ago, they named uh, Christine Lebrano the Senior Vice President of Creative Writing Operations. That was actually um, on February 1st that announcement was made. And she was integral to the success of the Emmy Award-winning Portlandia and a lead creative force behind the acclaimed Emmy-nominated documentary Now, created by Bill Hader, Seth Meyers, and Fred Armisen. Um, I'm not sure how much that... I, I, I'd like to know that if she could recognize Bill Watts in a police lineup. Or I shouldn't say police lineup. In a, uh, if she could rec- decipher a, a difference between uh, Bill Watts and Jim Crockett Jr., um, I'd like to make sure she knows who Harley Race is compared to Terry Funk. Um, I hope that she could um, cite some of the things that Paul Bosch is known for as a wrestling promoter and wrestling booker and wrestling mind. Like, to me, that would be knowledge that you would bring to being the lead senior vice president of creative writing operations not and i love it but not having portlandia on your record um and so I, i'm not saying that that this, this segment was because of her but i think that's kind of telling in terms of uh the wwe maybe she's a lifelong wrestling fan and has read every wrestling book and could school me on wrestling history i don't know either way but that was not in her press release so um you know wwe doesn't necessarily uh, value or tout that and i do think in a general sense javier we pay the price for that as as wrestling fans who who know the the way that pro wrestling works and how having been wrestling fans our whole lives are our, our very unique mindset and it, not that everyone is in in uh in sync and in lockstep in terms of what we like and what we don't like but there's a certain view we have of the genre that can't be replaced by somebody moving up the ranks in the corporate creative writing world who doesn't actually hasn't actually paid dozens of times to go to a wrestling show and booked their weekends or, or, or evenings around watching wrestling and talking about it with their friends. And so I worry sometimes that he has too much of that other influence um, in it. And then there's just Vince McMahon, who's just quirky and weird and has been doing this stuff long before they hired Hollywood writers. The, what's about the, uh, and it, it feels like they're, the, they're going completely out of hand with the, uh, with the non sequitur, um, uh, what's probably the, uh, 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 you know, current jokes. Uh, they made, I, I counted at least the Gorilla Glue reference, uh, Tom Brady on a parade float. Um, mm-hmm. What was the other one? The, uh, I'm just here so I don't get fined. I mean, and and it feels like forced, like when a wrestler tries to, to hit their catchphrase. Yeah. I, I know how plugged into pop culture I am every week uh, based on whether I get, you know, the, the three to six WWE pop culture references that they wedge into the show. It doesn't mean that I think it's uh, something that should be wedged into the show as unnaturally as it is. But when I do know what they're talking about, I feel pretty good. Or I feel like I'm wasting my life, one or the other. I'm not sure. Yeah, so, I, I mean, and, and it's like, but, but it's particularly the way that they reference it. Because, I mean, the Gorilla Glue reference had, like, nothing to do with whatever was going on. <laughs> uh, it was just, yeah. you know, it, it's so, it, it's just so, like, I mean, they did it really well with um, uh, Cameron Grimes. Uh, you know, he got rich uh, <laughs> yeah. doing the GameStop, stop, GameStop yeah. thing. Which, uh, by the way, I, I actually read that that's based on actually what really happens. Supposedly, he made some money off of the actual AMC uh, stock. Oh, okay. Well, I hope he's giving away his money then. Yeah. So. I want authenticity. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, but yeah. I mean, that that worked. That worked well because you're telling a story out of it. But you know, everything else, yeah. and it's like four or five a week. 
uh, it almost feels like all the bad ideas that they've had for a while are, are all cropping up, like, you know, uh, how they have a match being interfered and then, you know, uh, you, you know, and then, re- you know, like a stop and restart, you know, we've been seeing that again, uh, the pop culture stuff. It's, it, it feels like they're not doing each of them as much, but it kind of seems like they're doing all their bad ideas, like, uh, concurrently. I'm almost halfway expecting words on the screen popping up anytime oh, soon. Yeah, well, I don't know. Hopefully it's not Christine Lebrano and her influence, um, if, if that is happening. Uh, anything you want to jump in with, uh, Nick, on, on any of this? No. All right, go ahead, Javier. No. You're not, you're not, you're not, Nick's not impressed with your, uh, with your bullet points yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, on the, on the Apollo Crews, since uh, Nick brought it up, on the Apollo Crews thing, I, I don't, I, don't want him, I don't want him to be too involved with Roman Reigns unless you're going to make him part of a stable. And I think that, you know, I, I like the idea that just having contact with him changed Apollo Crews. It's made him more, um, he basically told him, you know, become an alpha. What I would like to see is to maybe see that happen with some other wrestlers that he gets into other wrestlers ears and says, you know, and gives them advice and that advice pays off for them. Cause I mean, they just started pushing, I mean, granted they, they turned Cesaro face, but, uh, you know, Cesaro and Shinsuke and those people, they're, they seem to be getting a push now. It would be, you know, you know, uh, it'd be nice if, you know, like they, they, some of the changes that you're seeing in some of the wrestlers would come from him giving a, uh, you know, giving them like kind of a, 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 you know, a pep talk or, you know, like explaining things. Oh yeah, Javier, I totally agree with you on that. I, I don't think Apollo Crews needs to be suddenly, you know, the fourth in the in the stable or anything like that. But I just mean at least make at least one passing reference to it of something he's learned, so it doesn't just feel like a segment that we saw that then we're we're meant to forget. Um, but I totally agree with you. I think that that would fit. That would fit for him to kind of every once in a while almost have like a a visit to the Godfather type uh, presentation where. You know, you can just see someone going in to talk to him, and maybe you don't see anything other than that person leaving the room, and that then maybe then even then they're they're feeling more empowered, or they have some new level of confidence or something new in their 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 arsenal that they're then utilizing. Um, I, I totally like that. I would just like at least a reference and an acknowledgement that it actually happened. Yeah, and I'm, I I do have to again, you know, the the whole I'm just I'm, I'm just. Glad that the whole uh, which one of it, um, uh, Belair and uh, Sasha Banks thing was short <laughs> to keep uh, you know because the, mm. the whole Sasha yeah. character is weird. Um, you know the it's just I'm I'm not really I'm I really do hope that they're just going to turn her heel and the two of them you know could go at each other because that sounds like it's it'll be interesting but just how they have them. Uh, uh, it, the way that they have her right now is just not working for me. And, and I, I get what you mean, Nick, that, you know, pretty much everything else with her is cool, but just the the character that she's playing is just uh, painful to watch almost at this point. Yeah, I wondered if after tonight, if there were, they're going to be the next in the long line of tag team champions who are also feuding at, heading into WrestleMania or uh, at a big match after um, their interaction with Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. You know, and I could easily see that coming to down the pipeline where in the next two pay-per-views they win the tag team championships and then go into WrestleMania with that as an, an additional component of their feud. I mean, I think it's unnecessary entirely, but that, based on what we saw tonight, that wouldn't shock me. I think we're going to get there, though, Javier. I think we're going to see 
a full-blown Sasha Banks heel turn. And I think, I think it just feels a beat too early. And especially since I, I imagine there's a hesitancy since it seemingly is just yesterday that she turned babyface. But I, I think given the outpouring of support and then just the, the overt strength that Bianca Belair has been showing as a babyface recently, it's, it's impossible for Sasha Banks to be anything other than the heel when you have such an impactful moment as the Belair winning the Royal Rumble moment and then you're infusing you know, her parents into the next week's SmackDown of the, of the celebration and, and talking about that. It, it's, it's inevitable. And I think even in everything we saw, saw tonight, to me, is just further proof that we're going to get there. Hey, Harley. Remember the days when women's wrestling matches were relegated to the mid-card dumping ground and treated like a glorified intermission? You mean the era when it was only men in the top spots in the main events, getting the biggest matches every night? Yeah. Hmm. Vaguely. Seriously, while we might have a long way to go, we really have come a long way, baby. And that's why we started Grit and Glitter a podcast covering the best in the world of women's wrestling. From the horsewomen of WWE to the goddesses of stardom and everyone in between. Each Tuesday, Emily, myself, and our team of guest correspondents talk the best matches and the biggest news in women's wrestling. Plus, interviews, deep dives, and discussions about everything from media representation to gear to women in behind-the-scenes roles. Just search PW Torch in the podcast app of your choice to subscribe or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. Uh, Brandon LeClaire brought up in his uh, report on pwtorch.com tonight. He brought up Adam Pierce, and he said, I dislike the flippant, dismissive, and passive attitude of Adam Pierce on this show and his willingness to just sort of bend to Roman's will with minimal to no pushback. I really like what they did with Adam Pierce, and I think I like how he's scripted. I think I like how he's reacting. Javier, I want to get your thoughts. Where where are you on Adam Pierce tonight and his character in general? I think it's really clever how Pierce, I think, is standing up as much as he can, and I think he's a really relatable figure for people who have been put in a middle management position or people who have dealt with middle management, people in middle management before, I think they're tapping into something that that is going to seem real and a real conundrum of somebody with power but not that much power who sometimes has someone else who doesn't have technically the power that actually does have power over them. So, uh, Javier, your thoughts? Well, I was kind of ticked off when you opened the show and pretty much said verbatim everything I wanted to say about Pierce. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you're my side. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, because you, well, because I mean, you you brought up the you know the his reaction when he he was cornered by by Rain, and you know how he's he's both you could tell that he's not that he, you could tell that he's not standing up to Rain, but trying to salvage, you know, his manhood basically. Yeah. And you could tell, and you could see him break eye contact, you know, occasionally whenever, uh, uh, Heyman would make any motion, he would, he would glance over to, to Heyman, you know, trying to save face because, you know, he goes, Oh, he's, he's making motion, you know, but, but then turn back to reins. But you know, he, he, it was such a like awesome moment. The only critique I had, I think was some stuff that ended up ad libbed when, um, 
when they were still in the ring and uh, Heyman made a, a something about Bel Air, and then the, I think that was ad libbed by Heyman, and I think that uh, that uh, Pierce ad libbed back, you know, you know, don't you ever shut up. But there's a moment there where it almost like it felt like everything froze for a second, and I could and, and almost like if someone was yelling at in somebody's ear. Oh. And then Roman Reigns at that point then took a few steps towards uh, towards uh, Pierce. And because the reason that that scene had bothered me is when he told, you know, uh, said that to to Heyman, he just disrespected Heyman. And what's what's been drilled into us, if you disrespected Heyman, then you disrespected Roman Reigns. And if you disrespect, so I, if you disrespect that, Roman Reigns, you disrespect his been... family. And if you disrespect his family or disrespect. Yeah, the whole thing has been really the cadence of that's been drilled in. And that is a good point. You you would expect Roman to stand up in that moment, and I could imagine Vince McMahon in a headset being like, "No, you know, you you just triggered something that that we want to save, and we need to prepare to react to." That that's an interesting point. What do you think, Nick, about that? Yeah, no, I think yeah, it all feels accurate. I think the overall element of Adam here still being able to fold to Roman Reigns is to me not out of the realm of reality. I mean. We're talking about an industry that, you know, anybody who follows it knows the story of that doesn't work for me, brother. And, you know, just a, any power that Steve Austin as the, the champion or the guy um, being able to say, dictate how he wanted to be and, and who he wanted to go up against and all that stuff. I mean, it's a, in this scenario, it rings true that the 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 guy would beyond just being able to have pushed through a middle management guy still have ultimate stroke. And I feel like that's what they're trying to get through in this whole thing. But um, yeah, they are definitely tiptoeing around the nuances of the motivations and the triggers of the Reigns character. And that's something that we're already seeing, I think, get a little bit complicated along the way. Even last week when he lost his cool so abruptly in the edge segment, which, you know, I love talking about that, Mm -hmm. but the, um, you know, but like that, that didn't fit the character for him to suddenly start screaming. He hasn't screamed in, in at all since his return. And so why then, why now? So I think that whereas there's a lot of return to normalcy, I feel like on SmackDown to the point, I think Javier, you might've made that where it suddenly feels like there's like a lot of the, the older habits are, are, um, beginning to come back and just in general some of the laziness I think comes back with that normalcy if there was anything that was a real of a benefit during the the darker days of COVID was the intentionality that was put into the Roman Reigns character and if there is just this this now sloppiness that's going to come into it a lot of what made it so marvelous you know those little pecks along the way could eventually take off the large part of the armor that has made it what it is yeah, I'm curious if they have any, what their explanation would be if there was a, you know, post-show with the writers and participants where, you know, you could ask questions about the decisions they made, how they feel about that choice for Reigns. And if if it was to plant a seed that Edge gets under his skin in a way where he's more on Edge when Edge is in the picture and they really wanted to emphasize that point. It doesn't mean it would justify it or or, or think it, change your mind, Nick, that it was the wrong time to do it. But it'd be interesting to hear their argument. And yeah, it'd be fun to find out if that, that aside was was planned to give... In it. I could imagine them, Javier, planning that moment with Pierce to show that Pierce has a little gumption, that he can't help himself but to blurt out what's going on in his head every once in a while because he can only take so much. And the it wasn't so bad, and it might even, you know, I could imagine Reigns and Heyman going, yeah, that's cool because deep down 
Reigns also knows that's true. Heyman never shuts up. And he'll let someone get away with that, but only to a point. And Pierce walked up right up to that line, but didn't cross it. I think you could defend that in that in that way, and I'm I'm curious if they would. Well, I mean, the the Roman just taking a step towards him, like pretty much fixed the entire the entire thing. Yeah, because that that yep. that seemed that you know he's he's threatening him. You Watch know, it. The, just that the action. Yeah, I'm just saying that that there because there was a, a a a pause before that happened. It almost feels like it wasn't planned. Like, how do we salvage this? So I don't know if someone was saying that in, in somebody's headset or if, if, you know, it was just, you know, Roman knows the character so well that this is what he would do. Uh, whoever, you know, whoever, you know, whatever, whatever happened there that I think that was really well, you know, that, that, that really well covered for it. Um, but in, in terms of, um, cause I disagree with you, Nick, on the him yelling, cause I don't see Roman as call, calm and collected. I see him as somebody who's hanging on with his fingernails and trying to look calm and collected. Um, you know, though I see him as a character that is care. You know, he feels like he's carrying the weight of the entire WWE on his shoulders. It's been, you know, he it, it, it's 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 you know his 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 um his responsibility. You know, because you know when he talks about being the head of the table, it also comes with the responsibility. He's going to make sure that all the other wrestlers are fed, and that this is you know his um you know, and it's up to him. So it feels like that under that that he's being strained and cracked under that weight. And when you have someone like Edge, you know, like, you know, an outsider, someone who's, who's not, in, does not, like, kind of belong there, I could see him, like, you know, let some of that slip, you know, let that mask slip a little bit and, 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 and show, his, uh, show his anger because, you know, you know it's there because Hammond's constantly telling him, you know, not now, now is not the time. I respectfully, I respectfully mm-hmm. say it's not now is not the time. You know, think about our plans. You know, so I, 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 and I think that that was just the moment that it slipped because it's something that, you know, Edge is some, something. You know, Edge, Edge in their relationship has all the power because he's the one who has to decide. He's the one who gets to decide who he's going to wrestle. So and and so Roman Reigns is feeling powerless, and then th- that's why that mask slipped. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think it still went a beat too far for the occasion. You know that. Just the idea of Edge just walking backstage would would drive Roman Reigns, who uh, I, I I think has been much more calm, cool, and collected than you know my opinion of it than, than maybe you're representing right there um, in terms of his motivation. I mean, we've seen this. If anyone was going to drive him to scream, it was going to be Kevin Owens in that in their feud, and it never got to this point, which went from zero to a hundred. In, in a split second without actually even having much of an event interaction at all. So, no, it felt to me, I, I maintain it, 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 went, it went way too far, way too quickly and felt like they were accelerating a storyline and or, or made, building in a, a background to a feud that just didn't really entirely resonate with me. All right, I have another topic for you guys. Yeah, I mean, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Javier. Yeah, follow up, him. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Your 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 thing is more with the with the pacing of it, and yeah, yep. I agree. It, it, it might have been a little bit too much too soon, and you know the uh, I mean, but, but it, it feels. I mean, it, it seems there were steps because you know he did get he did start getting more and more you know upset with Kevin Owens, where like he, he you can see like him start swallowing to keep from you know freaking out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I I I, I could see it. Uh, you know what, Javier, and you know what, maybe I have a bias. A bias for me with this whole thing is. 
I view Roman Reigns is um, like inspiration as Michael Corleone. And I really do think that that's who the character is, is being written in honor of. And if you, and in that lens, Michael Corleone in, in whichever of the three movies that, that you would have seen that character, he, I've only seen three quite, you've only seen number three or all three. Oh, just number three. Yeah. Did I start <laughs> oh, in the wrong okay. place? <laughs> well, it depends who you ask. No, I'm, to- I'm totally I'm, network before we're all the time. I'm, to- I'm, totally, no, I'm totally joking. <laughs> I understand. I understand. You might have a Sofia Coppola crush or something like that. Way but, um, you know, uh, but it, it always took him a while to get to that point of screaming. And he, he did get there, but it, 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 there was always something that he was either um, um, you know, some, he was defied in some way. Um, to a breaking point. And that's if this is where we're going with, say, Edge um, as his opponent. They need to work harder to get Reigns to his breaking point because there's been so much goodwill and so much good effort that is put into developing such a, a, a well-developed character and, and a, a character with so much personality and now history built into it that to just sacrifice the pacing, just to have the first post-Royal Rumble um, SmackDown, that really bothered me. And I think today was was a back on track, but long long term, I, I really need them to be more committed to that. He is I, and I am him, and I'm Matt Taven, the real Ring of Honor World Champion. And you know how I show everyone that I get it by tuning in to the podcast of Honor with Tyler and my personal main man, Ryan. <laughs> This is Ryan. And I'm Tyler. And we are the hosts of the wildly popular PW Torch VIP show, Podcast of Honor. Our show covers everything Ring of Honor Wrestling, from analysis, show recaps, and wide-ranging interviews with the stars of Ring of Honor. Download the Podcast of Honor each week and support the best podcast on the PW Torch VIP network. All right, so uh, Javier, you brought up his name. Um, I want to ask you guys about uh, Kevin Owens and explore that a little more. Did enough get accomplished? I mean, that was a like semi-big deal at the end of the show that we've uh, barely acknowledged, which is, you know, Kevin Owens ran out. He got the closing statement looking into the camera saying, I'm not done. Should they have moved on? Is this one month too much uh, in terms of KO and Reigns? Or is Kevin Owens so good and Reigns so good? I don't care if it's past its expiration date. They're they're making they're, – I'm going to care and they're going to keep it fresh. Um, and and is going all the way to Fastlane with that too much? If if somehow they tell that st- that story, if KO were to win the chamber but lose to Reigns, or I don't know. So I'm throwing that over, uh, Nick. First to you. I think he looks great. He sounded great. I, I think I, it doesn't feel stale to me, especially now having him be more as part of the ensemble heading into Elimination Chamber. You know, in my head, I was trying to think, okay, where does this go? Does he have some kind of altercation in the chamber with Daniel Bryan? And then suddenly that has, they've got a pickup feud that heads into WrestleMania, which I don't think would be so bad. Uh, but no, I, I think he's actually a thread of continuity that um, that ties the previous main event storyline to with wherever we're going heading into WrestleMania. I actually think it's imperative, and, and he is not looking weaker for being part of it at all. And I don't suspect he will ha- being part of the Elimination Chamber either. Yeah, Javier, what do you think? Well, I, I think, I think in the, it, you might end up losing some people, but uh, for, for me, the... I, you, you've heard, I don't know if you heard the ads where, you know, sometimes you tell a joke 
until it stops being funny. Yeah. But then you keep repeating and it becomes funny again. Yeah. And funnier. Yeah. That that I think that could also work in in wrestling because you could see a feud keep you know going on for too long, too long, too long. And then my my life's goal is to identify that line, Javier. A... <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. You, you'll hit a uh, a, a, nader, a nader at some point. You know, you hit a nader, <laughs> nader at some point, but then you know you you'll you'll be able to you know to 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 get to the other side. And you're like you know wow this is this is you know. It makes sense at this point, and I, I I think that you might do you know you, the the whole thing with with uh, it feels to me that the whole thing with with Kevin Owens at this point is because he just won't stop. I'm I get I get uh, feelings of uh, granted Mick Foley nearly killed himself, but you know it, it almost kind of like the uh, the stuff that he would do where he would just take a horrendous beating and not keep not stop except this is done more over a long longer period of time and he keeps coming back and keeps coming back and keeps coming back. And at one point you want him to stop, but then, you know, when you think that he can't take anymore and he comes back one more time, that's when you actually start respecting. Uh, Nick, anything else? Yeah, no, I, no, I think, I, I think he's actually, it's imperative right now. I don't, it, if this had been another one-on-one program between the two going into another month, then I would have been tapping uh, 100%. I think the, it's, considering where we're going in terms of the, the time of the year, how WWE lays out that February time period of having it be more ensemble based. I think it would feel weird if he wasn't part of elimination chamber. It'd be this guy who pushed Roman Reigns to the limit every which way and was screwed in, in many ways out of all of these matches suddenly be, because he's been a victim to screwing suddenly is no longer in the conversation for being in the elimination chamber. I feel like we'd all be screaming about that if he wasn't included. So I think this is one where, you know, uh, it's you're damned if you do damned if you don't. And I think they're going the route that actually makes sense. So next is uh, looking at the elimination chamber early picks here. Is it Jey Uso who wins? And uh, and they tell that story and it leads to something more or it he wins and it tells a story and it doesn't lead to something more? Or is this a chance to just feed Daniel Bryan to Reigns and give that match away while they can? Um, what do you, Javier, what, what's on your top list here? Man, I, I hope it's not Daniel Bryan because that, that just feels like it's almost like, yeah, okay, we're done with Ben uh-huh. Bryan at that point because yeah. I think that's a match you could build to. Yep. Um, you know, uh, you know, KO makes sense to get one last, you know, one last shot. Uh, and you know, a broke, a KO who's broken inside the the chamber facing, you know, Roman Reigns, uh, you know, there's, to me, that's compelling. I know I'm, I'm, maybe I'm a sadist. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I mean, uh, and, and consider the fact that I can barely remember who else is in the match. Uh, <laughs> I think those are your two, uh, maybe, maybe Cesaro, maybe, you know, just to have, cause him, I could see him be someone who's just fed for him for that night. So we have, we have, uh, Cesaro, Brian, J K O and, um, uh, Corbin and Sammy. Did I say all six or did I repeat two names? I think I said all six. Um, so Nick, uh, it's who's like, do you have a, a depth chart yet in terms of your likely and unlikeliest options? And, and I know you mentioned Jay earlier. What, what are the, is that plausible? Do you have a scenario in your mind where that could work? Oh, I think it's totally plausible. I think Jey Uso is, in, in my mind right now, if you were to ask me to make a pick on who I think it's going to be, I would pick Jey Uso. Yeah. And I think you can almost see it play out where he wins and maybe even like has this superb uh, overcome all odds performance. 
And then Reigns just struts into the ring and expects him to lay down in front of him. And then that moment where, you know, we, we've now become accustomed to Jay becoming the, uh, the, the sidekick, the, the follower, the, the servant of Roman Reigns. And then the moment of anguish of like now his, you know, despite everything, all the pride he's had to put behind him. Now, this moment now, he's really once again having to dig deep. And, you know, he, he's never laid down for Reigns before. And I, I think that that would really be, you know, a really interesting moment. And again, I feel like for months we've been talking about the return of Jimmy Uso at some point of, you know, how that does a really dramatic moment play out. I am not, you know... Uh, not giving up hope maybe it is or just you know just not saying that it's not not possible that that Jey Uso doesn't make some kind of return to to the very top program heading into WrestleMania I'm really not I think in in many ways he was such a vital part of the I think the turn of Smackdown back in the fall months and while he's doing excellent work, Wade, to your point, as the the enforcer of of this new of this new faction, he's also we're not maximizing him right now. And, and so I don't know. I wonder about that. If not, if not Jay Uso, then I think it, it is Daniel Bryan winning and then quickly quickly losing to Roman Reigns. Um, but and then and then at that point, then I think we're just marching to Edge versus Reigns at at uh, WrestleMania. But for right now, for today. Call it a, a, a hope shot, but I'm going to say that Jay would be my pick to win. Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcast? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PW Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise! Javier, um... The Edge situation, uh, Nick's talked about it. He is anti-Edge Reigns. He thought last week didn't work at all. Um, your thoughts on, on last week, the prospects of Edge in general, and if uh, how you think they handle things tonight as far as the storyline goes? Well, taking the story out of the way, because I, I don't get me wrong, I, lo- I love the idea of the Jay storyline for WrestleMania, but then I'm, like, I'm thinking Vince McMahon, uh, Roman Reigns and Jay, you know, headlining WrestleMania. I, I, I don't see him <laughs> giving a thumbs up on that one. So um, the uh, Edge, I mean Edge and Edge and Reigns is pretty much, um, with the exception of maybe um, Reigns and McIntyre. Except I, I think it's you would have already wanted to start like building it as of like last week. Um, would be the only two I can see, opponents I could really see for Reigns, unless you do Daniel Bryan. I mean, that, it, it is a possibility that Daniel Bryan wins, 
and then he could lose he, he could lose to uh to Reigns and then um you know but because he lost in the you know after after a grueling chamber match then you you keep that story going into WrestleMania but I, 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 but then what do you do with Edge? I mean, I, I, Edge, Edge, uh, Edge and McIntyre is even less, you know, less attractive to me. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, 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 I like the idea of Edge and uh, and Rance. Plus, you know, again, you, with with uh, Christian uh, being sort of back in the fold, there's stuff that you can do with uh, with him uh, in the storyline. And I, 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 I think with what, what Edge has done against Orton, I, I think they, they'll end up doing a, a good, good uh, lead-up to, uh, to WrestleMania. All right. Uh, Nick, any, uh, do you want to push back on that as at long all? As Goldberg does not, sorry, oh, as, what, what? Javier, sorry. As long as Goldberg does not get involved. Because as long as Goldberg does not get involved, because I, kept, I, 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 I would be worried for a triple threat who has the best spear match. Oh, like, uh, How dare you put that out there? Now, now, I think you're right there with uh, with Jake Barnett for for uh, saying something that should just have never never been said. Uh, Nick, uh, any any final thoughts Sorry. on on that topic? That's okay, Javier. I mean, no, I mean, wait. I would ask what, what your for your initial thought on who your your top pick would be because for me, I, I hear you, Javier, in terms of you know, in terms of name value, sure. Edge versus Reigns carries a lot more of a um, you know special novel feel than than, say, Reigns versus Jey Uso does. Um, however, if we are, if the lead-up to WrestleMania is is underwhelming, I, I don't put it past anyone to call an audible and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're far out, and this doesn't feel like it's working. Now, what I saw last week was three separate segments, three separate nights, three separate shows. And for for my, my opinion uh, of of watching those three segments, the chemistry between Edge and Roman Reigns was by far the worst of the three. And I stand by it. Yeah. I, I'm I'm still hoping for and leaning towards Edge Reigns, but I don't I think everything's on hold. You know, I mean in, in, until I mean we got two weeks before we're gonna really get a clue, uh, a, a really big clue. I don't think they're going to show their hand in the meantime. I just like uh, Edge as a babyface coming back for title, never lost against a top heel Reigns, who's the hottest act in pro wrestling right now. Uh, so much better than Edge and Drew, which just feels blah to me. And I just don't see, I, I mean, Triple H on the media conference call, I did a whole Keller hotline analyzing it and breaking down where there was, you know, a, a BS and, and lots of words and nothing being said, but also things you can read into about what Triple H said and, and what it reveals about his power and his relationship to Vince McMahon. I think one thing he would have shown uh, his hand on is if he thought there was going to be a prominent NXT title match at Mania involving Edge and Balor or Edge and whoever's champion by then, you know, Pete Dunne or whomever. I didn't get any sense of that at all. Um, so I, I think it, it's, it comes down to Edge Drew and or, you know, the Claymore versus the Spear or whatever. I, I think they can make it work, but and it's not in front of a – well, it'll be in front of a live crowd, but it's not um, – they're not leaning – they wouldn't need it to be this – heavy face heel dynamic for it to work when you have another world title match but i don't know i just don't see i i mean, I'm hope i'm if it's not edge reigns i hope i'm pleasantly surprised by the story that they tell that makes it seem like they made a good call i i didn't think edge was a top 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 guy uh or uh you know a top tier legacy star when he came back uh some people disagreed with me i still stand by that i think he's just that next level down i think he's mm-hmm. great oh he's yeah doing great mm-hmm. promo work but he's just not how they're framing him. The ratings don't indicate he's brought a lot of people back to the TV screen. 
Uh, but that said, I just think in the midst of a pandemic, I think you can feed Edge to Reigns, and Edge can tell some great monologue, some great stories and monologue-style promos. Um, we can have some confrontations. I think he doesn't shrink in the presence of Reigns. Um, he looks older and a little more brittle, uh, even in the Rumble he did. That's kind of the story they told. I think they need to build up that side of him, that he isn't just, you know, it's not an, an, an that it's not an inevitable loss. But I, I just, I think it's the best option that they have still. As far as who wins uh, the Chamber, I, I mean, my leaning right now is Kevin Owens. I just, I ask that because I think they're going to just do that. Because if you can't advertise a match, don't give away a new match. And I have the same fear of, of Brian winning and it just being sort of a blow-off well, we gave it to you, but we never hyped it and didn't promise it to you. But there you got it. Um, you know, heel reigns, face Brian. I don't want that. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping and rooting for uh, KO. I don't really know. I mean, I guess they could feed Cesaro to him, but that would then define him down. And I don't know that they want to do that yet. Well, have, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Javier, anything else for us before we let you go? Well, and I want I and on the way to uh, on the way to WrestleMania Fastlane, you'd have uh, Jay Uso and Roman Reigns versus Edge and Christie, which is yep. pretty much the most. I, I'd be excited for that to be. Uh, I think that have, works. You know, that'd be a big match of an Edge and Christie reunion. Yeah, um, I, I, that is I've, that crossed my mind too, and I think we so, talked about it, and I think that that would make a lot of sense um, as a Fastlane main event if they could tell that story. And by the way, I'll throw out there, there's no guarantee that the wrestlers announced tonight are actually going to be in the chamber. There can be an injury or an angle, yeah, an injury angle, I guess, or some sort of other angle where somebody gets taken out, someone else gets put in, and it blows up all our predictions, too. Uh, including Christian, by the way. And while this, yeah. this is not probably going to happen, well, this might, yeah, it's, uh, uh, Christian wins the uh, the chamber and then uh, gets uh, uh, Roman Reigns tortures it. Yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. Prompting Edge to make his decision right then, then and there. Yep, yep. Um, although a, a sick part of me kind of wants Corbin to win. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Nice talking to you, Javier. Uh, <laughs> now you've done it. That's a line you cannot cross back from. <laughs> just as a callback to the whole dog food thing. Yeah. And just have him just squash him. I don't know. That's just a, a, but that, that's just a sick fantasy, I guess. <laughs> so. All right. Very good. Um, anything else, Javier? No, I just uh, check out my uh, primer for the uh, Impact uh, No Surrender uh, special. It's an Impact Plus special, so um, you know, not not a full blown pay per view. It's almost kind of like their version of in in your house. Yeah. So uh, for those who remember those, Tommy Dreamer's but, but, uh, yeah, 50, so Tommy Tommy Dreamer's fiftieth birthday party, and he gets a Impact World yeah. Title shot. Uh, get the tissues ready. There's going to be tears. By the way, Wade, I, I, do you think that um, – what do you think about the uh, triple threat revolver match? I mean, <laughs> that seems like a match right up your alley. I, I'm not even going to invest in trying to un, uh, unravel and explain that. Yeah, I, I had to read the rules like three or four times. Yeah, before, I know. Yeah. And I'm not even sure I got that right. I'm, I'm not sure I could recite them now. <laughs> I think I gave up. I want Don West. I want Don West to show up just to explain those. Just that he was so good at that. Oh, then they got to do this, and then there's that, and then there. he would do it excitedly, and I'd be like, "All right, he's really thought this through." All right, cool, Javier. Uh, good conversation uh, with Bethany this week. Yep. yep, thanks. Announcing our first VIP sale of 2021. Just 99 cents gets you a full month of VIP access if you act now. Go to pwtorch.com/govip. Enter coupon code. 2021 sale. That's right. 2021 sale. 
And that'll take $9 off our usual $9.99 monthly subscription price. That's 2021 sale. Enter that in the coupon code box on our sign-up form at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Uh, Nick, on the email side of things, uh, Sean emailed and just wants to know if we noticed Dominic's bump on the announce table. I thought oh, yeah. Dominic crushed his face. Um, yep. I, I couldn't tell from the replays if it was planned or he just protected himself well, but I gasped and I was like, oh no. Um, but it seems like he was just fine. So maybe it was planned and I don't know. But yeah, did you have the, have the reaction I did? Oh yeah, out of my seat when I first saw him. Oh my God, you know, that it was horrifying when you first saw it. Then they did show a replay, which it, it, I don't know if it was a different angle, but just looking at it, knowing what to expect, it looked like he had his hand up yeah. uh, that then might've offered the protection needed. But yeah, and, and I gotta tell you, I thought Dominic did had a nice showing tonight. I thought some of it, he looked a little bit more crisp than, mm-hmm. than he sometimes has. And some of the transition spots weren't, weren't weren't as um you know you could see him in his head as, as much as sometimes you yeah, can yeah. I, I thought he did a really nice job today i think he's going to be around you know I, I don't think he's going to disappear as you know the the famous son who got you know or the, the 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 wrestler with a famous dad who got an unfair advantage or you know got to leapfrog some of the normal process i and then ends up not cutting it and disappearing i think he's i think he's a keeper i mean he's got a ways to go um and it's awkward to kind of be in in, in here in the pandemic era where he can't get reps in a normal way that somebody at his stage of development would. But, um, yeah, I, I, I thought pretty early on that, that he had enough aptitude and signs of, of uh, just kind of being a natural that with some polishing he'd be good. So, yeah. Um, yeah any, I actually oh. am beginning to really like his facials, too. He doesn't go too far into the overacting, which you would almost yep. expect – you almost expect him to, you know, he, for some reason he has that part where he looks like he's going to over emote, but he doesn't. I, he, I think he's doing a really nice job. Uh, one to 10, five being no opinion, you know, under five being he annoys me in a bad way and above five being, I look forward to his segments. Sammy Zane, where are you on one to 10? Oh, I, I'm a 10. Yeah. Is, is, that, is that too high? I no, mean, no. I, I, I really, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm like eight, I, I nine, 10 with him. I love, I love him week to week. I, oh, I, I think he's brilliant. I yes. really do. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I've always felt he was totally underutilized. And but if you would have ever told me that this would be a character that he would have, you know, I, I wasn't as familiar pre WWE with with Sami Zayn. But oh my gosh, I think everything. I I love the um, the documentary uh, crew following him. Yeah. You know, wait, I work in an industry where I often will will bring you know celebrity guests to this school in which I work, and they always. I mean, like I can't even tell you wrestlers included that have come to the school to visit have had had camera crews, which are really like their friend from from high school with a with a handheld yeah. um, following them. Oh my god, it just. <laughs> It reeks is so so honest to me. Yeah, and I, but I just think in general he's and and actually I feel like his his wrestling is being able to be spotlighted quite a bit more than it had been any time within the past two years. So I, I think he's he's really doing nice work. Did being part of a short no contest match with Big E define down Shinsuke as sort of being uh, Angel Garza, uh, you know, just body in the ring playing a lackey for some other storyline or? Did that elevate him? Because, hey, he got a title match. It didn't come to a conclusion. Certainly he deserves a rematch. 
you know, somewhere in between. Yeah. I think there's still some um, of the reverberating goodwill on him based on the gauntlet match and then the subsequent couple weeks afterwards where for out of nowhere he was presented as a star. Um, and I think I, I think he can still maintain some of that mystique. I'm glad he was on the show. I think that that's more of an, an important note. And it, I, I don't necessarily think we need, would have needed him in the chamber and losing. Although when you're talking about if there is a vacancy at some point, I could see him being elevated into one of those spots. You know, it's there's the good news is the bad news is with SmackDown is the good news is a lot of people are being elevated. The bad news is a lot of people are being elevated. So <laughs> there's going to be those there's going to be that awkward dance of they're going to lose sometimes and there's going to be ebbs and flows in the pushes. And, you know, I think Shinsuke really stepped up last month and. I think uh, where he, I think he probably got that spot because his in-ring performances had been really improving, and I think that's where his efforts need to be at this point. My final one for you: No one emailed or called about it, but just Billy Kay. Same question as Sammy. Uh, five neutral, um, one to ten. Where are you most weeks with her now, and how was she tonight? Uh, a ten. I would go to dinner, lunch, and breakfast with her anytime <laughs> she wants. Brunch, if that so calls for. You'll proof, it. proofread her resume. She's... A hundred percent. And, you know, we'll get her get her headshots done uh, better than they are. I mean, I just think she is excellent, 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 making the absolute most of every one of her moments that's on television. Laugh out loud, funny. And, you know, I just I I, I just love her. I, I think she's doing excellent work. Top tier. I've never seen a referee so worried about anything in wrestling other than someone might slip on one of those glossy resume photos. <laughs> yeah, no. It's really, it's, it's good. Yeah. But think about, wait, in the, in the past month, how many amazing moments she's given us. I mean, she really, it, it's, they're, they're, they're memorable, too. It's not just like, oh, you know, she's, she's kind of funny or, or whatnot. I mean, it's genuinely entertaining. Do you genuinely think they have an endgame in mind? No. no. <laughs> You say that with such certitude. They're just there's no end point. They don't care. They're just having fun for the journey. If they figure out a yeah. conclusion, so be it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She's, we're going to see her at WrestleManias in ten years as one of the nostalgia figures that comes back, <laughs> Alessandra Santina Morella. I mean, that's how it's going to be. Yeah, or yeah, there's a, a list out there. Jillian Hall, hopefully better than that. Yes, 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 yes. Cool. Anything else you want to bring up before we wrap up here? No, I think, it, listen, it was, it was a great time, as yeah. always. And uh, for the record, I think we're going to see Reigns versus Edge. It's just yeah. not my yeah. my personal preference. Yeah. Well, hopefully it's hopefully it's good, and you look back and go, ah, I was right about that one episode, but they turned it around. Maybe. But let me tell you something, Wade. When you referenced about the NXT, about that Triple H, there was no tells in there. Yeah. I, I hear you on that. Totally agree. I, I went back home and rewatched the Edge segment with Finn Balor and Pete Dunne. That was marvelous. I know. And, and that is what I hope that um, Edge um, can either bring out of SmackDown. And, and if he cannot, if the chemistry is not there, that they that there is an adjustment made. Because at this point in his career and with the injuries that have piled up and just the overall experience of it, I mean, this really is about to use an overused phrase about maximizing the moments uh, of him. And, you know, I, I just think I, I think it's important. And. There's things that look right and feel right, and I'm sorry, but last week didn't look right to me. Yeah. He looked um, like the, the 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 wise, like the veteran, the almost like the Rocky to the Creed type moment within NXT. And the man I saw on SmackDown, not to be rude, was overly thin and just looked weak compared yeah. to the strength of Reigns. And I thought, 
I actually think that that overly thin look that's a problem, and, and yeah. I think it's glaring. With yeah, yeah. All right, very good. We got you all warmed up for uh, tomorrow morning with Tom. You got a dry run. Right. You've, ref- you've sh- we've sharpened your knife. Uh, good luck tomorrow. Go VIP, everybody. Uh, check out Nick and Tom's discussion. Let's talk about Raw also and uh, look back at the 20 years ago Pro Wrestling Torch back issue. That is VIP exclusive. Go VIP so you can uh, read the back issue they're going to talk about, see if they pick out the same things to talk about that you you think they should. And, uh, yeah, um, make it part of your weekend. Uh, Nick, as always, great talking with you. Yep, this was really enjoyable. Thanks, Wade, so much, Ryan. You bet. Take care. All right, so don't go yet because we've got our one-year-ago flashback of the Wade Keller hotline covering SmackDown, start to finish, my full recap and analysis of SmackDown. It was one year ago that Mandy Rose and Otis went on a date for Valentine's Day. Also, there were We Want Cowbell chants during Sami Zayn and Cesaro's protest concert. The Fiend and Hulk Hogan interacted. Daniel Bryan was revealed as Roman Reigns' mystery partner against Miz and Morrison. My how times change. Also, Sheamus got cheered, a precursor to later in the year. Carmella challenged Bailey and more super showdown developments in front of a sold-out Vancouver crowd. So here we go with the Wade Keller Hotline covering the February 14th, 2020 episode of SmackDown. Don't forget, if you go VIP, you can hear my review start to finish of every episode of Raw, Dynamite, and SmackDown as a VIP member. So if you don't see the show, that's a good way to catch up on what you missed. And if you do see the show, you can get my thoughts on everything that happens start to finish covering topics we don't cover on the post show. So here we go. Wrestling fans. Are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life? Well, we're those kind of people too, but we do so with mixed martial arts. I'm Robert Vallejos, host of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans, every Monday on PW Torch's Daily Cast lineup. Not only do we cover every UFC and Bellator event, we provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand. I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at PWTorchDailyCast.com where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Casts. This is PW Torch VIP editor Wade Keller with the Wade Keller Hotline for Friday, February 14th, 2020. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for being a VIP member. Let's uh, jump into a report on tonight's episode of SmackDown. They were in a very enthusiastic Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Um, it broadcast live on Fox, usual announced team of Michael Cole and Corey Graves. Michael Cole introduced the show and touted a sellout crowd of 14,382. Graves hyped the main event tag match with Miz and John Morrison against Roman Reigns and a mystery partner. Spoiler alert, it's Daniel Bryan, and it wasn't that 
big of a deal. Um, I mean, Danny Bryan's nice and all. You're never unhappy to see him, but why did he need to be a mystery? Um, they showed Mandy Rose and Otis and talked about their Valentine's date. Spoiler alert. The date didn't happen because Dolph Ziggler sat at the table first before Otis showed up. Otis saw it and got dejected and turned and left the restaurant before Mandy even saw him. Mandy's going to think he stood her up. Maybe. I don't know. All right. Graves hyped that Hulk Hogan would be on the show via satellite later and noted that he's a Hall of Famer going into the Hall of Fame for the second time. And spoiler alert, Hogan sat in front of a bunch of merchandise, a Hogan merchandise behind him. All right, we'll get into details on all that. They began, though, with a moment of bliss with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross on the stage. They talked about their celebrity crushes. Nikki said her crush was Brad Putt. Uh, something was lost in translation with the accent. Graves asked if that's a famous golfer. I think she meant Brad Pitt. Cross introduced Carmella as their guest. Carmella danced out. Bliss said she is happy for Carmella, but some might say her victory is a surprise because they haven't heard much from her lately. I mean, other than, I guess, the 24-7 stuff with our truth Carmella said people love surprises. She said she'll shock Bailey later when she becomes SmackDown champion and reminds everyone why Mella is money. Might be good to just drop that. Bliss brought up a social media spat between them. Then they flashed pictures on the screen of the two getting along during happier times in the past. Bliss asked what happened with her and Bailey. Carmella said Sasha happened. She said it sucks because they were such good friends. She said it hurts Bailey doesn't want to be her friend anymore. Bliss began to react when Bailey interrupted. Bailey came out looking exasperated by the whole scene. She said at one time she saw something in Carmella and she thought she could show her the ropes and how to be a role model and a leader. Bliss was going to be was going to interrupt at that point, but Bailey cut her off and called her a pipsqueak. Bailey bragged about beating Bliss and Cross in a handicap match last summer. That's how I know nobody can touch Bailey. Bailey said. Carmella stood up and asked, "Oh, really? Are you willing to put your money where your mouth is?" She said, "It's time to do this right here, right now." And she marched to the ring as her music played. Cole said, "Carmella just put Bailey on the spot." Bailey headed towards the ring too, and they cut to a break. Uh, Bailey was better here as a heel than usual. Um, I, I've been down on her heel work. This, I think, was her best work in terms of having confidence and seeming a little less scripted. I, I think she's better playing off of others and standing in the ring alone. You know, different people have different strengths. I think that's hers. Um, all in all, a solid opening segment. It played up the past with Bailey and uh, Carmella. It set up the match coming up. And and it put heat on uh, Bailey. So, I mean, it's fine. Bailey took on Carmella for the SmackDown title next. The bell rang right after the break. A few minutes in, Bailey went for a top rope body block, but Carmella ducked and then landed a super kick for a two count. Uh, Carmella then landed a top rope cross body block for a two count. Bailey rolled to the floor. Carmella went after her, but Bailey lifted and dropped her face first over the announce desk. Back in the ring, Carmella rallied with clotheslines, which Bailey was bumping early for, by the way. Um, Seems like they could get their timing down better. And an atomic drop that didn't really look like it did anything. The knee didn't come close. To his credit, Graves said he's not sure how much of that atomic drop landed. So he's calling out his girlfriend on the air. Carmella played to the crowd and then dove at Bailey in the corner. Bailey ducked behind the ref to avoid being kicked and then elbowed Carmella as she sprung from behind the ref. Carmella made a quick comeback, but Bailey surprised her with a sudden Bailey to belly for a believable near fall. Bailey waited for Carmella to stand and then charged with a knee. Carmella moved and then threw Bailey to the floor. Bailey yanked Carmella's neck over the top rope. Graves said Bailey is cagey. Carmella knocked Bailey off the top rope and then kicked her in the head. 
Bailey slumped over. Carmella took her to the mat with a Hurricane Rana for a near fall. Carmella scored two leverage pins, but Bailey came back with a backslide attempt, which turned into a small package. Carmella kicked out and super kicked Bailey. Bailey again rolled a ringside and fans booed. Carmella applied a coat of silence a minute later. Bailey escaped, but gasped for breath. Bailey leveraged Carmella down to counter another coat of silence attempt, and she put her feet on the ropes for an illegal leverage pinfall. So Bailey, the winner in 13 minutes. Um, I thought it was a nicely constructed match. It had some up and down in terms of execution, especially early on. Uh, but the crowd is into it, and the near victories for Carmella clicked with the audience. So, I, I mean, yeah, it, was, it certainly exceeded my expectations. Bailey attacked Carmella afterwards. She grabbed her title belt. Cole asked if those are actions of a champion. That's supposed to be your role model, he said. Naomi then came out with a new pronounced hairstyle. Carmella and Naomi kicked Bailey and sent her to the floor on her back. And then Naomi's music played. Cole plugged the Daytona 500 on Fox. And then they went to the announcers on camera who threw to a video package on King Corbin beating up a guy in the TV production truck and then pouring a beverage on a fan at ringside last week. A tweet was then shown that WWE management had fined Corbin for his actions, an undisclosed amount of money, and they also suspended him from competing on SmackDown this week. Good to see WWE actually follow up on actions by a heel against non-wrestlers that would be cause for some sort of discipline. It's good to see. AEW did that with Nyla Rose when she attacked the referee, powerbombed him through a table, and WWE does it here with Corbin. I hope they keep it up. I mean, part of the story of wrestling should be there are some rules, and there's lines that you can't cross without ramifications. Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Don't forget, we also have the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts. That is a blue logo show. This show, you'll notice, has a red logo. There's a very similar logo, but it's blue. And that's for our Thursday flagship, plus our mailbag and interview shows. We have first-run interviews and, most weekends, a classic interview from our archives. Just search Wade Keller in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Pro Wrestling Podcasts and choose the blue logo and subscribe. They uh, plug the Mystery Partner Tag Team Main Event. They went to a break. They came back. They, co- they showed postcard shots of Vancouver. Beautiful city. Then they replayed what happened with Naomi, Carmella, and Bailey earlier. And then backstage, Kayla Braxton interviewed Bailey, who was throwing a tantrum backstage. She said next time she defends her title, it'll be at Super Showdown, and she doesn't care who her opponent is because nobody can touch her. They went to the announcers at ringside. Cole talked about the Natalia Lacey Evans match in Saudi Arabia as a historic occurrence, and then he threw to a video package on Lacey Evans. Cole said Renee Young will conduct a special interview with Lacey next Friday in Phoenix on SmackDown. They showed Otis getting dolled up for his date, combing his hair. He returned a Mandy text with some hearts. Tucker walked up to him. Otis said Mandy's running late, which gives him more time to get ready, but also more time to be nervous. Otis asked Tucker if he's crazy to think Mandy might actually like him. Tucker said if Mandy deserves you, she will like you for all you have to offer. And Otis said, tonight's the night. Sheamus made his ring entrance and they cut to a break. After the break, a commercial aired, or kind of during the break, a commercial aired showing media touting the premiere week of the XFL and hyping week two on Fox. Then a commercial hyped Raw showing a clip of Shayna Baszler biting Becky Lynch. How will Becky respond? asked the narrator. Then match number two, Apollo Crews and Shorty G took on Sheamus, two-on-one. Crews and Shorty attacked Sheamus before the bell. Crews kicked Sheamus on a backdrop attempt, then Shorty blind tagged in and knocked Sheamus to the floor. Apollo Crews then landed a moonsault off the ring apron and threw Sheamus back into the ring. Sheamus hit a missile dropkick. Crews landed a standing shooting star press for a two-count. Sheamus kicked Shorty in the face to knock him off the ring apron when Crews ducked. 
Sheamus then took over on Cruz. Fans chanted, Brogue, Brogue. I guess mistaking Sheamus for Drew McIntyre, <laughs> thinking Sheamus also turned babyface. Uh, then Cruz stood and turned around and met Sheamus's boot as he charged. The director showed close-ups of fans cheering Sheamus, which was an odd choice for a supposed heel. So, I don't know what's going on. If it's just Vancouver or people just like dominant wrestlers or what, Sheamus kind of played to the crowd. The director played to a cheering crowd. So, we'll see if this means something. Um, You know, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Kayla interviewed Carmella backstage. She said she doesn't want a handout, but she deserves a rematch. She looked at the camera and asked WWE management and Fox to give it to her. She promised she'd become the next SmackDown champion. Then they showed Mandy Rose arriving for her date at a restaurant. Then they showed Hulk Hogan prepping for his interview in front of a wall of his own merchandise. After the break, Cole plugged that Keith Lee would be on WWE backstage next Tuesday on FS1. Grace plugged the Super Show on main event that Fiend and Goldberg, or uh, of Fiend versus Goldberg. And then they threw to a video package on Goldberg to let you know what Goldberg's all about in case you're a new viewer, said Corey Grace. Grace said he, he might be the next Universal Champion. Cole then interviewed Hogan. He got what sounded like a mild and mixed reaction from the Vancouver crowd. He talked about the NWO, and they might have been booing a little bit just because he was on satellite and not there in the building, too. He talked about the NWO being honored at the WWE Hall of Fame, and he said, that's really strong, brother, that's really strong. He said, Hulkamania set the business on fire, and the NWO took it to a whole new level. Cole brought up Goldberg, one of his top rivals, when he was in the NWO. He asked him whether Goldberg has a shot against The Fiend in two weeks. He said he's been in the ring with Goldberg, and he told The Fiend to try to survive. The Fiend interrupted. So we move in hour number two. Bray Wyatt walked onto the Firefly Funhouse set and tore off his shirt like Hogan and flexed like Hogan. He wore a t-shirt that said, Not cool to eat your friends. It had a picture of Buzzard eating Ramblin' Rabbit. He said he's been taking his vitamins and saying his prayers, and then the pig showed up. Uh, Bray said he's talking with his buddy about Hogan eating right, something he wouldn't know about. Bray then offered the pig chocolate and then fed it to him. Uh, And then uh, uh, Bray said, I hope it's not too sweet. And Bray giggled at his own joke. Hogan said he's a funny guy, but when he gets in the ring with Goldberg, that's no joke. He wished him luck. Bray said he doesn't need luck because he has a fiend. If you're not careful, brother, please remember, there can always be room for one more, he said with a sinister tone. Hogan said, I'll see you in Tampa for the Hall of Fame. Bray showed a framed picture of Hogan and said, you can be added to the wall. And he waved and said he'd see Goldberg very soon. So I I don't know if they're teasing some sort of angle with Hogan and, and Fiend, or if this is just a way to get Hogan on TV to satisfy Fox executives who want more star power. Um, It was kind of a late advertisement, a satellite thing. They didn't fly him in. Um, So maybe they're setting something up for a Hall of Fame weekend, or maybe not. Grace plugged the mystery partner tag match later. They showed Otis getting ready for his date with Mandy. He had roses. Tucker gave him a final pep talk. After the break, a This Week in History segment aired. They showed The Rock on February 14th, 2011, nine years ago. Returning to Raw after seven years away, Rock gave Cole a hard time at ringside and told him it doesn't matter what he thinks. Josh Matthews had a cameo in the background there. Cole noted that Simone Johnson, Rock's firstborn daughter, has signed to train as a wrestler. Then Cesaro and Sami Zayn stood mid-ring. Sami had a ukulele. He said he was going to perform a protest song in the tradition of great protest singers like Bob Dylan and Billy Bragg. He asked for silence. Sami tried to get the right pitch going. As he was about to play, with Cesaro standing next to him holding a cowbell ready to join in, Elias interrupted. 
Elias walked out and introduced himself. He said he was in the back taking a nap, but he got a phone call from a friend. He dropped some local name, and he said he asked us, and he told him, he said that friend said he had to stop this, what's going on in the ring. He said Sammy's trying to use him to make a name for himself. He said there is a universal truth. That WWE stands for Walk with Elias. Sammy asked who the hell he thinks he's interrupt who he, who the hell he thinks he is interrupting their protest concert that the world is waiting to see. Elias said that's why he's out there. He said he's staging a counter protest. Sammy said on any other night he'd have his security guards throw his ass out of the building and rough him up a little bit too. He told security to let Elias enter the ring. Elias entered the ring. Sammy told him to listen close. Cesaro rang the cowbell obnoxiously and offbeat. Fans overrode Sammy's attempt to play by singing, Oh, walk with Elias. And he told them to shut their mouths while he exercises his free speech. He demanded some respect. So Sammy and Cesaro tried again. Cesaro got a little too into it, and Sammy said, Hey, I need a lot less cowbell. Sammy strummed some more as fans chanted, We want cowbells. Now, they would have gotten extra points if they would have started chanting, Cowbell shit. But Vancouver didn't think of it. Cesaro threw his cowbell down and waved his arms that he was done. Fans booed. Good move from Cesaro. You're a heel. Don't give the fans what they want. Sammy strummed his ukulele some more, and then Cesaro clapped instead of playing the cowbell. Fans started singing Oh, Walk with Elias again. Sammy threatened to cancel the concert if they didn't shut their mouths. Fans loudly chanted yes. He asked if they thought this was a joke. When Cesaro made a move toward Elias, Elias fought back. Sammy and Cesaro double-teamed him. Braun Strowman's music played, and he marched out for the save. Braun plowed through Sammy's security guys and went after Sammy. A security guy stepped in the way, so Elias and Braun tossed him over the top rope onto three other security guys on the floor. Sammy and Cesaro had retreated up the ramp by then. Then Kayla approached Naomi backstage. She said she's tired of Bailey, and what happened to Carmella was unfair, but she wants a title shot because Bailey's never defeated her. She said she's the next SmackDown champion. Now through Patreon, you can get the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts, and the PW Torch Daily Casts with the ads and plugs removed and VIP after shows by supporting us on Patreon with a Tier 1 membership for just $4.99 per month. You can also upgrade to get additional bonus content, including all the VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletters through Patreon. Check out details at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. They showed Mandy at the table in the restaurant. Uh, Graves asked, what's wrong with Otis leaving Mandy waiting like that? This is going to be a disaster, he said. And they cut to a break. After the break of vignette advertised, John Cena's return to SmackDown in two weeks. Cole said he had breaking news that Bailey would be defending her title at Super Showdown, and her opponent would be determined next week in a match between Carmella and Naomi. Cole also announced Goldberg would be at SmackDown Live in Phoenix next week. Uh, video package aired on the Otis-Mandy interactions in recent weeks. Then Otis showed up at the restaurant, all smiles, nervous, but smiling, and he strutted in. Dolph Ziggler got to the table first and put his hand on Mandy's shoulder. Mandy thought it was Otis at first and then turned around and saw it was Dolph. He sat at the table and Otis saw them talking. Otis dropped his roses, looked dejected. He was both sad and angry. And then he turned and walked out. So, um, it was that was the totality of the payoff to that long-running buildup. Apparently, I'm thinking Dolph was... There were some shenanigans with Dolph that he actually texted Otis and tricked him into thinking Mandy was running late. 
Mandy waited for a long time at the table. Dolph saw Otis was on his way, so he put his hand on Mandy's shoulder and said, hey, it looks like you've been stood up on Valentine's Day. How about I join you for dinner? And Mandy was, uh, I'm projecting a lot here because this was, I wouldn't even say implied. It was just sort of there for interpretation. But uh, Dolph was talking to Mandy and Mandy may or may not have been receptive. And Dolph knew Otis was walking in at that moment and would see them. That's my guess. But that was it. The announcers didn't talk about it. They didn't speculate about it. And it kind of came across a little bit as a, um, as a bit of a blow-off. So, uh, not a blow-off, a, uh, I don't know, I guess just not a bait-and-switch almost, you know? I think a lot of people were expecting something fun, um, and, and they ended up not getting much of anything. And there was, you know, a lot of comic potential and, and some fun some fun feelings, too, and nothing was delivered. All right, so after the break, Miz and Morrison made their ring entrance. They mocked the Usos and said that they weren't there and that they're having their cousin fight for them. Miz said they're the greatest tag team of the 21st century. Reigns made his ring entrance, and then they aired a recap of the Reigns-Uso rivalry with Corbin, Miz, and Morrison. And then Danny Bryan came out, revealed to be Reigns' mystery tag team partner. Cole said Bryan and Reigns have had issues in the past, but they share in common a, that neither of them can stand the Miz. Corbin walked down the steps amongst fans and held up a ticket, so he found a way around. Uh, he was suspended from wrestling, but apparently not suspended from the venue. Reigns looked on as Corbin made his way to the front row. Um, so then we get to the third match of the entire show. Three matches. At this point, uh, uh, the, the women's match and then a pretty short Sheamus match. Um, but plenty of time left in the show for something here of uh, some substance. Reigns opened against Morrison. They showed Corbin sitting in a comfortable high-back chair at ringside. Brian landed a dive on Miz a minute later, then leaped off the top rope with a missile dropkick at Morrison in the ring. He kipped up and played to the crowd. Fans chanted, yes, yes. Brian threw a series of yes kicks to Morrison. Fans chanted, Daniel Bryan, next, as he took Morrison off the top rope with a Hurricane Rana. Morrison yanked Bryan over the top rope to the floor to take over. Miz shoved Bryan hard into the ringside barricade. Reigns walked over to stop any more illegal actions from Miz. He noticed Corbin in the front row. Miz charged Reigns from behind. Morrison did a twisting flip dive over the ring post onto Reigns and Bryan at ringside, and they cut to a break. The heels isolated Bryan after the break until Bryan avoided a Morrison top rope splash. He hot-tagged in Reigns, who went to work against Miz aggressively, including 10 clotheslines in the corner. Fans counted along to 10. Reigns then kicked Miz in the mouth. Reigns smiled and played to the crowd and telegraphed a Superman punch, which backfired, which made him look like a fool for telegraphing it so much. Miz ducked and tagged in Morrison. Morrison landed a springboard round kick for a two count. Reigns knocked Morrison out of midair a minute later with a Superman punch. He played at the crowd again and then set up a spear. Morrison kicked him and then tagged in Miz. Miz hit the skull-crushing finale. Brian broke up the cover and then knocked Morrison off the ring apron. Brian then set up a dive, but Miz kicked him as he charged. Miz then mocked Brian as he set up a yes kick. Fans yelled, no, no, no. Reigns caught Miz with a Superman punch. And by caught, I mean he missed by six inches. Yikes, that was awful. Cole even said Roman didn't get all of it, but I think he got enough of it. I guess if a breeze blowing past your face is enough of it, that, that would be true. Reigns then speared Miz and pinned him. So Reigns and Brian, the winners in 13 minutes. Corbin entered the ring afterwards and hit Reigns with his scepter. Corbin then celebrated on the stage on his throne as the show ended. So even though Corbin was suspended from the show, they brought his throne there. Um... 
Strange episode with only three matches and a week payoff to the Valentine's Day date, but a bit of a bit of a cliffhanger also to see how Mandy and Otis react next week. I just wish there was a little bit more discussion amongst the announcers uh, about what happened and what might come next. The uh, the show, even though it only had three matches and a lot of video packages, it had a pretty good pace to it. Um, it, it yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it was a, a like a, a probably a polarizing show, but. It, it worked um, for a show with so little in-ring action, uh, being bookended by a couple decent matches. And the, the really what it comes down to mostly is just the crowd. I mean, the crowd was so into everything that they kind of had a chance to make or break the show. And I think they made it. You know, they made it work. All right. Uh, that'll do it for me for today. Thank you, everybody, for your continued support. And until next time, Wade Keller signing off. Announcing our first VIP sale of 2021. Just 99 cents gets you a full month of VIP access. If you act now, go to pwtorch.com slash govip. Enter coupon code 2021SALE. That's right, 2021SALE. And that'll take $9 off our usual $9.99 monthly subscription price. That's 2021SALE. Enter that in the coupon code box on our sign-up form at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. We've got exciting things happening with PW Torch VIP in 2021. A new podcast series called Everything with Rich Fan that I host with longtime PW Torch contributor and now Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Rich Fan. And the podcast lives up to the title. We talk about the top stories of the week and some strange and oddball and off the beaten track clips of professional wrestling. That Rich and the listeners suggest that I watch, and then Rich gets my response to it at the end of each week's episode. Also, Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure, our first purely WWE Week in Review focused show, with Nick Barbati and Tom Collihue, both PWTorch.com contributors, who discuss and debate the top matches, the top angles, the top out of ring stories in WWE. From the previous week, and then they do a flashback to 20 years ago that week and discuss the top stories from that week's Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter. Also just launched is our new PW Torch VIP Podcast Vault, the first ever Wade Keller Hotline from May 6th, 2003. This was a year before the word podcast was even invented. We were doing VIP audio shows, and we've excavated our very first shows, and we're presenting them at least one per week on our VIP podcast feed. Vault podcast formats starting in 2003 include the Wade Keller Hotlines, roundtables following pay-per-views, and also roundtables discussing current events in professional wrestling, including Jason Powell, Pat McNeil, Bruce Mitchell, and more early VIP podcasts. These new podcast series joined some new ones in 2020, including NXT eight years back, WWE then and now, looking back at past WWE pay-per-views through today's lens, and New Japan Pride with Javier and Bethany discussing the week in New Japan Pro Wrestling. 
Plus, long-running shows like the Wade Keller Hotline, post-pay-per-view roundtables, The Fix with Todd Martin, Radican Worldwide, On the Canvas with Zach Haydorn, Alan Forel's Pro Rest Paradise, Podcast of Honor, covering Ring of Honor with Tyler and Ryan, the PW Torch East Coast Cast VIP version, the British Wrestling Report, our retro radio shows from the 1990s, and Vintage Torch Talk interviews. And as of... 2021, our VIP podcast feed is now compatible with Apple Podcasts, the native iOS podcast app. You no longer have to enter a username and password. As long as you are a current VIP member, your podcast feed will get you the latest shows from our PW Torch VIP lineup, multiple shows per day on Apple Podcasts. Our new podcast feed also works with other podcast apps that we previously were not compatible with, including the native Google podcast app on Android phones and many others. It's easier than ever to listen to our VAP podcasts, and it's easier than ever to subscribe because we now not only offer PayPal as an option for payments, but also direct credit card and debit card payments on our simplified, streamlined VIP sign-up page. So many improvements, so many exciting things happening, and this is the time of year to immerse yourself in our top-shelf coverage of professional wrestling. And don't forget, VIP membership gets you instant access to 30-plus years of archives of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, ad-free access to our weekly Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter that started it all, a new newsletter each week, and add free access to our main website. So go VIP, pwtorch.com slash go VIP, full details on that page, and then our sign-up form includes a coupon code box. Just enter 2021 sale, and that'll take $9 off any subscription option. So you can apply that $9 discount to a one-month, a three-month, or a one-year subscription. If you apply to a one-month subscription, that brings your price down to just 99 cents. And that will include our post-Royal Rumble VIP roundtable and our post-AEW Revolution pay-per-view roundtable available the night of the event. A roundtable discussion right after the event ends, lasting around 60 minutes exclusively for VIP members. Again, it's pwtorch.com slash govip, coupon code 2021SALE. And let's not forget... The Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts and PW Torch Daily Casts, 14 podcasts per week, are available on our podcast feed, compatible with Apple Podcasts, Native App, and many other popular podcast apps, ad-free. That's right, you can hear these shows with the ads and plugs removed for a streamlined listening experience. Give us a try. It's just 99 cents to try us for a full month. Whether you're looking to occupy yourself on road trips or traveling for the holidays or to occupy yourself because you're not seeing family as much this holiday season, why not settle in and listen to a good book? Audible is a leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers and new releases like the Young Bucks autobiography to celebrity memoirs, languages, business, motivation, and more like original entertainment and now podcasts. And recently, Audible's launched a new plan, Audible Plus. With Audible Plus, you get full access to their Plus catalog, which is filled with thousands and thousands of select originals, audiobooks, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of popular shows, as well as exclusive series. Audible Plus connects you with tons of content that entertains, inspires, and informs. It's easy to find just the right listen, whether it's comedy, romance, suspense, true crime, science fiction, fitness and wellness, or, yes, many pro wrestling selections. You can even squeeze in a workout or guided meditation without having to go to a gym or class. And with everything you want to listen to all in one app, Audible Plus can truly become your playlist for life. It's only $4.95 per month for your first six months. Choose your plan and start a free trial. 
So go to audible.com slash Wade or text Wade to 500-500. And you can try Audible Plus for free or Audible Premium Plus for free. And you can make your free selection, The Young Bucks Killing the Business Book that just came out last week. Again, that's audible.com slash Wade or text Wade to 500-500. We're now on Patreon. That's right. You can support us and get benefits at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. We have three tiers, $4.99, $6.99, and $9.99. The first tier gives you all the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling podcasts and post shows and the PW Torch daily casts with the ads and plugs removed. That membership tier also includes the VIP after shows that on occasion we put on extended versions for VIP members at the end of the Wade Keller shows and daily casts. And it's compatible with the Apple Podcast app, and any other third-party podcast app out there, or you can stream the shows directly from your Patreon app or the Patreon website. Or you can upgrade to Tier 2 for two extra dollars a month and add the Wade Keller hotline to the mix, a daily podcast just for VIP members who support us. Or you can upgrade to Tier 3 and get all the Wade Keller podcasts and post shows and daily casts with the ads and plugs removed and the VIP after shows and the Wade Keller hotlines, plus all the other VIP exclusive podcasts and a PDF and all text version of the weekly Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter and a 20 years ago Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter every week. Full details on how to support us and get so much in return with three different tiered options at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. You can still support us directly on our website and get the full VIP benefits for $9.99 a month by going to pwtorch.com slash govip. That has not changed. This is just an additional option for those of you who are familiar with and like supporting creators on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at PWTorchDailyCast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at PWTorchDailyCast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, PWTorchDailyCast.com. One of the really cool parts of being a VIP member is getting to relive history through the pages of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues. We have Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters dating back to the late 1980s. We put a new back issue up from 20 years ago that week. And so when you go VIP, you instantly have access to over 1,500 back issues and a new PDF, along with an all-text version, if it's easier for you to read that on your phone, uh, goes up every weekend. And the latest issues include a cover story from the June 10th, 2000 issue on Goldberg's return to WCW and whether he's a solution to what was ailing WCW at the time. Also, my column titled Vince Russo 
is from outer space. And Bruce Mitchell's column, still timely today, unfortunately, of racist gimmicks and poverty pimps was the title. That's issue number 606. The week before that, issue number 605 from June 3rd features a cover story that talks about how there could be a shakeup in the wrestling industry with WCW for sale and ECW having an uncertain future. And also a Bruce Mitchell column spoofing Vince Russo titled, How I Became World Champion. If we go back another week to the May 27th, 2000 issue, it had detailed coverage of the Judgment Day 2000 pay-per-view, including my review and staff roundtable reviews of the Rock Triple H 60-minute Iron Man match, and also the final installment of the Lance Storm Torch Talk with his thoughts on various ECW colleagues. The week before that, the May 20th, 2000 issue, issue number 603, features a cover story on Ric Flair's collapse in the ring during Nitro. Part 3 of the Landstorm Torch Talk with this explanation for why he decided to quit ECW. Our coverage of ECW Hardcore Heaven, the pay-per-view, and more. And then the week before that, the May 13th issue features a cover story on the changing TV landscape in pro wrestling. With the WBF moving from USA to TNN and a potential shift of ECW. Also a cover sidebar story on the death of an ECW fan after a hotel party. And WCW Slamboree coverage. And the week before that... Our coverage from the May 6th issue, number 601, of David Arquette winning the WCW title. My EndNotes editorial examining Vince Russo's controversial decision and flippant comments about title belts. Our coverage of WWE Backlash 2000 and more. I could keep going on, but that gives you an idea of what you're missing out on by not being a BIP member. Imagine settling in on the weekend and uh, kicking back and reading wrestling history, not through the lens of WWE filtering it to their benefit, not through people looking back on it through today's lens, but what was said at the time, the week it happened, by some of the voices that you are familiar with here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and PW Torch Daily Casts. So go VIP and relive professional wrestling through the way the Torch covered it in real time with contemporaneous coverage of Pro Wrestling's biggest events, biggest news stories, biggest personalities. I think you'll have a blast. It alone is worth the membership price for so many of our members. Check out details on everything else that comes with the VIP membership, including daily podcasts that are VIP exclusive and shows like this with the ads and plugs removed. Go to pwtorch.com slash govip for full details. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. Prices are as low as $8.25 a month on average if you subscribe for a year or check us out for a month for $9.99.